on today's show. We are getting to know Aiden. But first, a word from today's sponsors. Andre Psyche is the freelance creator extraordinaire, someone who makes music, poetry, art, clothing, and lives to make others feel good. Search him up on any social media. It's Andre Psyche. That's P-S-Y-C-H-E. The next time you are looking to add some creative stimulation to your social media circle. Patreon.com helps creators like me earn a monthly income that will be put towards podcast expenses. Support the Getting to Know You Pod's creative endeavors through Patreon for as little as $2 a month. There are all sorts of costs that I had no fucking idea about associated with posting podcasts, not to mention the need for equipment and production. So dear listeners, if you've enjoyed getting to know any of our guests or just want to help keep the pod going, go to our Patreon. The link's in the description and your support of the Getting to Know You pod is very much appreciated. Two bucks too much? Here are three free ways to help. Get your thumbs ready. One, push the subscribe button on whatever app you're listening to the Getting to Know You pod on. Did that? Thank you. Two, friend and follow the Getting to Know You pod on your social media like Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Go ahead, open those apps, click away if you haven't already. Thanks again. Three, go to Apple, write a review. The internet tells me this might be the most important and impactful. So thank you. Your support, dear listener, whether it's with your thumbs through our Patreon or ideally both, is greatly appreciated. And now, getting to know you. Hello. Getting to know you. Getting to know all about you. I'm going to do a terrific show today. Getting to like you. Getting to hope you like me. Because I'm good enough. Getting to know you. Putting it my way, but nicely. I'm smart enough. You are precisely and doggone it. And within five minutes of talking to Aiden, I've already figured out he is way smarter than me. Aiden, thank you for uh, coming on and uh, letting yeah. people get to know you, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, I'm, I hope people get to know me too. Um, thank you for the compliment. Uh, I wouldn't say I'm smarter than anybody, man. I'm dumb as a box of rocks <laughs> uh, when it comes to most things in life. I mean, you know, I haven't been around too long. I mean, I'm, I'm only 19, so it's, I have a very, you know, surface level knowledge, pretty much anything. I, I have not experienced enough life. Yeah, that's, I mean, that makes you smart right there, right? Like true intelligence is knowing what you don't know. Yeah. I forget whatever that quote is, but uh, somebody who was smarter yeah, than I, both of us said I it. think Socrates or something said, I know that I know nothing. Yeah. Or something like that. That's even better. So one thing, I, I guess really the only thing I know about you through social media, and I forget what comment I saw posted and how we connected because I shoot so many yeah. comments off, but it seems like you're into shoes. Yeah, um, I'm really into sneakers right now. It's kind of been like that for the past really only three years, but um, in those three years, uh, it's, it's really sneakers in general and the community around them have really changed my life for the better. Uh, I know it's it's a very materialistic and consumeristic hobby, just you know buying shoes and either wearing them or putting them on a shelf and saying, "Look, I have these." 
but you know, um, I, I've met so many amazing people and I, I've forged so many great friendships and just gotten to like come out of my shell a little bit through that community. Yeah. I know nothing about it other than the word sneakerhead. And I yeah. think I saw an episode of, so they did a reboot of Doogie Howser with the mm -hmm. girl who was Andy Mack. Um, I, know, uh, yeah. I don't know if you know either of those. Uh, I've heard the name Dirgie Hauser. Uh, I do not know Andy Mack. Okay, yeah. Hopefully, uh, I don't. I shouldn't. I shouldn't be gender biased and say hopefully you don't. But I know Andy Mack because yeah. my daughter's twelve and she was like eight yeah. when the show came out. So it's one of those like, oh, I sit on the couch and I watch teenage girls deal with crushes on ultimate frisbee dudes. You know, like it's whatever <laughs> right. those kind of shows. But anyway, Doogie Hauser, super smart, early doctor, like gets a medical degree at 16 and then is like child in the adult world trying to figure things out. So you're balancing the professional oh. responsibility, super intelligence. Back in the 80s with Neil yeah. Patrick Harris. Oh, yeah. That's, I think, um, what was it? I think my mom was watching a rerun of that yeah. a while ago. And I, I was like, is that, is that Neil Patrick Harris? Yeah. So Neil Patrick he's Harris. A very yeah, dude, he's hilarious. He did, yeah. I like um, How I Met Your Mother and the Smurf movies are the two things now that I know him for. Um, yeah, I think he was in the new Matrix movie, too. The, the oh, latest one. That is I never true. saw that. Um, I've never actually seen any of the Matrix movies. Yeah, you want to do that. All right, yeah, I, I, take, I, I, I take back what I said about you being smarter than me. If you haven't yeah. watched Matrix, you're making poor life choices. Yeah, I just... <laughs> I, got, I got a lot of stuff on my plate right now, so it's kind of like, how do I fit in movies into... Yeah me trying to like figure out the rest of my life right now. <laughs> right. Yeah, no, it's probably better. Um, although I don't know, this is like super tangenty. Like it is funny how movies are, can be very much like books in the fact that you gain all this experience and you mm -hmm. can start finding your interests. Um, it yeah. just, it can broaden your horizon if you don't like get in some like horror echo chamber of, I just want to like see people slashed up. Um, yeah. but to go back to the Doogie Hauser thing. So they reboot it. And the big thing on Doogie Hauser was like the kid ends the episode like typing on their computer, reflecting on the lessons they learned from their 30 minutes of life that gets shown to you. Yeah. Well, one of the episodes, Andy Mack turns into a sneakerhead. The new Doogie Hauser turns into a sneakerhead and gets on like this sneaker trading company, like online sneaker trading, which is like more volatile than stocks and yeah, winds up crazy. like stealing her mom's Reebok pumps or some shit. And like her mom loses this basketball game and almost misses out on a promotion in her profession. And then Andy has to yeah. buy the sneakers back by working overtime. It was this whole conundrum. And I'm like, wait, so there are fucking sites where like sneaker prices go up and down and fluctuate like that. So yeah, it's that, that's it's, the, it's really... I'm sorry, but like, yeah, that's the background I'm coming in with just so you know, that's it. Yeah, um, there definitely are a, a lot of, uh, I guess you would say, marketplaces for that. I got into that, into the, I've never been like a very financial person. You know, I'm, I'm terrible with money, you know. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I don't have enough experience to really have a good foundation with saving and spending. You know, I, I only just really got my first full-time job, not even a year ago. And uh, I mean, I've worked since, you know, 15, but it's really just been summer stuff, but yeah. Um, it has taught me uh, a lot just about markets and about, you know, holding different assets and about uh, the desirability and uh, the way to achieve desirability for certain items. And, um, for me that all started uh, in this game called team fortress two, which, um, that has a virtual, it's, it's even 
I'm not going to say dumber, but it's even more of like a, a, a step below sneakers because you're essentially, you would essentially trade, buy and sell and barter with virtual hats and virtual metal. <laughs> and, you know, hats that had crazy effects like it was on fire or, you know, stars were shooting down from it just in a video game, you know. You can even go, if you want to think about, like, really, really far back in the day, and by I say really, really far back, I mean, like, 2000, you know, 1999, you can think about RuneScape and the market that that had, and that was even, you know, kind of like a, a many, many uh, millennials and, I guess, super early Gen Zers introduction into, like, financial markets. And that's kind of how it was for me, and collecting things has always been, you know, it appeases some primal part of my brain to say, you know, I have all this stuff, but it didn't actually take up any space besides space, my hard drive. So I was like, Hey, it's a win-win. Right. And <laughs> easy to keep clean. Dust free. Yeah. Yeah. The funny thing is about that actually is, uh, like I want to say three years ago, there was a big, big exploit and uh, the market crashed. And thankfully, like I'm talking like real world money here. Like people would like, there were things that were selling for upwards of ten thousand, you know, five thousand dollars, and it's a virtual yeah. in-game item. Yeah. Like I think it's a golden frying pan, <laughs> expensive. One of the most expensive things you can buy. And people were, like, literally, or what, like Venmo sending crypto, like, what the fuck, like just uh, a straight. Yeah, check? there there was some early crypto stuff, early Bitcoin stuff, but a lot of it was on a marketplace like secondary websites or through. Um, it's a platform called Steam. Uh, and it's like an online digital games platform. It's the biggest thing in the world for gaming, basically. Uh, and it's and, and that has an inbuilt marketplace. And I think actually the guy who like came up with it became like the financial officer of Greece or something like that. It's, it's crazy. Yes, but and, so it just connects up to your bank account. So you like route your checking account to it, and that's how you put real cash in there. Um, you can just put a PayPal in, uh, but okay. a lot of the um, for the, the Steam platform, it's all kind of closed source. So you buy it and you sell it on Steam for like, I, I, you know, like basically like a gift card balance is the best way to put it. Like you have a balance of actual money, but it's just for stuff you can use on Steam. Yeah. But a lot of people, what they would do is they would start up uh, secondary trading markets where you would link your Steam account and your inventory to a, uh, a service and that would buy and sell and you could actually, you know, uh, deposit and withdraw real world money and put it into your bank account, which is what I did. And I think before this big crash that happened, I made $300 or something like that, just <laughs> buying and selling hats. Dude. And I was, you know, 16, 15 at the time. So I was like, whoa, that's a lot of money yeah, for no virtual doubt. stuff. No, And so what's the deal with the golden frying pan? Is there only one or what made it so valuable? The fact that yeah, it's, I shouldn't even speculate. It had a, it was locked to this specific uh, game mode called Man vs. Machine, where you're basically, you're your character and you're a guy, and you have to survive in kind of like a wave-based attack from these robots that are just robotic versions of you. Okay. And at the very end of these, um, you could do a like a free, they call it tour, and it's like a series of like four or five maps that you play in an order. And at the end of the tours, you would have a chance to get a uh, like a golden weapon, and they had a very very low chance of dropping, and 
had a very, very low chance of like even spawning for anybody and it would alert you if you were to get one. And the rarest of those rare items is the golden frying pan because that's, it's like less than like a 10,000% chance to drop. Like it's, it's probably like one in 15, 20,000 people, Gosh, if that, yeah. you know, and so it's a golden frying pan. So obviously it's, it's a wild, ridiculous thing. Yeah. Which probably adds to the value that it's so stupid and that you're just smacking mm -hmm. the hell out of these robots, kicking their ass yeah. with a frying pan. You're smacking the hell out of these, you know, other players or robots. And when you, when you would kill them, it would turn them into like a gold statue instead of just, you know, uh, turning them into like Gibbs or turning them into like a rag doll and just kind of having their character flop over. Yeah. It, it had that Midas touch. A, yeah. It had the Midas touch literally. And it would turn somebody into gold in the exact, you know, pose that you killed him in. That's cool. Yeah, and it would alert anybody on the game if anybody would get one as a drop. And it was this whole big thing. And there's, uh, I think there's like a big database now of everybody who has one. Dude, that is, like, that's what baffles me. Um, I had a guy, Emmanuel, on who is a little, he's a little older than you. I want to say he's mid-20s. But he came on the pod once and then I asked him back on to help me just get my mind around, like, crypto. And I left crypto looking at it just like art. Like, yeah. I don't know what the fuck it is, but if enough people think it's something, then it's worth something. it is worth something. And this gold yeah. frying pan, man, the fact that you're saying that's worth five, 10 grand, but if you have enough, if it's rare enough to enough people, then obviously it's going to be value. It, you know? Yeah. Like that's just a basic market premise it's really really yeah. smart for these people, um, yeah people use scarcity and limited edition to drive sales of anything even yeah. if it's not even like limited edition yeah yeah you just throw limited edition on it's same thing like yeah. call, saying something's on sale you automatically think you're getting a deal so yep yeah I'll or like how it. people you know like really old people would buy like those like collectible coins of like presents or whatever and they would say <laughs> this is a limited edition you know you'd see like It'd be up at like two o'clock in the morning watching like whatever, like the game show network. And it'd be, yeah. you know, buy this limited edition president coin. It's, you know, 5% gold. It'll hold its value for sure. And then you just see people get sucked into buying those yeah, because one they of, say it's a, it's a rare thing. One of 2000 ever made in the, yeah. in the printed. And then you, whatever they talk about the mint. Um, mm -hmm. So let me ask about the hats. So are the hats things you earned or are the hats things you created and that like you, you had to make other people want. Uh, you could you could earn them uh, through certain things uh, like just achievements, you know, unlocking things in the game by playing the game, by trading with other people. You could buy them off of that previously mentioned marketplace, either like from a, an offsite or directly through Steam. Uh, you could craft them if you had enough uh, what's called refined metal, and that's basically just when you break down a bunch of different weapons, you turn them into scrap and that scrap goes to refined. I think there's a middle step in there somewhere and you could craft hats through that. But the main way to get them was actually through unboxing crates, which you would, it's just like a random kind of, the best way to put it, it's like a slot machine, you know? Yeah. It's, it's, it was one of the first examples of like a, uh, a quote unquote loot box system, <laughs> but it was completely entirely cosmetic only. Um, you'd buy the you know, go out you buy a crate and you'd buy a key and you would unlock the crate with a key and you'd be like oh is this a hat that you want or is this a hat that you know is worth you know five cents and people would do that over and over and over again and spend like hundreds of thousands of dollars even like i think there are youtube videos from a few years ago back when the game was, was very very big 
where you would uh, you'd find somebody opening like 1,000 crates in a, in, a, in a YouTube video, and then they would be hoping to get an unusual hat right. or an unusual weapon skin. And these are virtual crates, right? Yeah, like these are virtual. Do. Everything is, this is all, yeah. you know, this is all virtual stuff. It's, yeah, it's, that... a, it's a grab bag, essentially, of whatever you're yeah. going to get. Like, you don't know. Obviously, there's like a, a set list of what you can get. Yeah. But out of that list, you have no idea. And you have no idea how rare it's going to be. You know, is it going to be just like a, just a basic thing? Is it going to have like a special, you know, strange effect on it, which would, you know, track like a, like a tally counter for something? Or is it going to be like an unusual, which those had the previously mentioned like effects, like if you're on fire, you'd have like a galaxy around your head right? or anything like that. Yeah, it sounds like old school baseball cards. Like when I was 10 yeah. years old, you'd whatever, save up like two bucks. You want to get some upper decks, some diamonds, and you're like hoping yeah. for the hologram those, card. Yeah, so your foil cards, those hologram cards, yeah. all that and stuff. It, yeah, like it's it really is interesting to me how that same tendency has severely shifted. And I guess, yeah. I mean, I've seen videos of people like buying boxes of cards and like opening them. So it's the same concept. Yeah. but. Virtually, it's so interesting that the value is translating. Cause yeah, it's, it's, it's really wild to think, you know? And but, are you earning the crates with actual money, like you're buying them? You, or do you, you do can, things within the game to earn crates? You could buy them, you know, secondhand on, on, on marketplaces. But just by playing the game, you would earn one or two. Or if there was like a limited season event happening, like, you know, if it was Halloween or Christmas or... You know, if it was like a summer thing going on, there would be like a summer series of crates that you could earn during that time, or there'd be like a Halloween series, gotcha. so on. And they went, they go back, I think, all the way to like 2014. This game has been out since I want to say 2008, 2007. Oh shit! And um, the market really thing—it it only has been around, I think, since 2010, 2011. But still, that's over 12 years right now at this point of. Of a, of a market being there for, for hats and for virtual weapons and all that kind of silly stuff. And what was the crash? Like their server crashed or every, like a bunch of players pulled out and nobody wanted to buy shit anymore. Uh, I think I don't remember the exact thing, but I think there was some sort of duplication method for one of the currencies that people used, which was, I think refined metal or keys, mm. which, you know, the keys you unlock the crates with. But there was some sort of big duplication method that happened for uh, I want to say probably around three or four days. But once people found out, it was you know damage was already done, the market was already flooded, and it, it devalued everything. Inflation. And, yeah, <laughs> it's you know I can see some scary parallels now, but I'm not going to go even go into that. I'm it, not I'm not smart enough to talk about real world stuff. No, dude. See, I think. People overcomplicated. I think this game system, like everything you're saying, and I'm not super into economics, right? But there are some real basic principles that you yeah. can see these worlds either recreating or I don't know if it organically happens because that's just human nature or yeah, if it's structured only to happen that way because it makes it more profitable for the game people. Yeah, the, in certain situations and in certain different games, uh, I couldn't name you one, honestly, at, at the moment. But it, there are times where a, an economy that's player-run does happen. I, actually, no. I think even like in mind, like in separate Minecraft servers, you know, 
you know Minecraft, right? Yeah, the little blocks. I, I tried to do it mm -hmm. twice, and I think I was like 30 the first time, and this kid started... It was in like a museum, might've been in Franklin Institute in Philly. And this kid looked over at me and I guess we were both playing at the same time. And he was like, you are the worst player ever, get out. <laughs> and I like, I had no idea what I was doing. I just had like this hammer and I was hitting like blocks and I kept like jumping off of this cliff and falling into water and then like yeah. zooming back. Anyway, but yeah, like that's my one Minecraft story. It was, I I, I missed my window on it, but yes, I, yeah. I'm, but I know the concept. And multiplayer servers and certain online ones, there is a, uh, a player-created economy where they add value to certain items or they, they you know, attach a, a perceived value or a perceived scarcity to certain items. And it's, it's really, that kind of stuff is not built into the game. The, the game is essentially, it's just an open world. You can do whatever you want. You can build a house, you can farm, you can, you know, travel to dungeons, you know, do whatever. But people, the, the little... Uh, the little tiny bit of, of, I guess, capitalism, I guess you want to say, that's been ingrained in all of us, uh, wants to, you know, have a higher status and have a higher, I guess, uh, perceived wealth than other people. So, like, they say, hey, you know, an iron bar is worth so-and-so, and you trade four iron bars for this gold bar and so on and so on. Right. And that's that's completely, you know, natural evolution of how like people play with each other like you can it could even be just you and a friend couch co-op and you say hey you know this is worth this and this is worth this and what, what team fortress 2 and a lot of other games um on steam and just like even mmos uh you know like world of warcraft and runescape have done they've just taken that and they've if they made it an official thing and they've they've attached real world money to it and in places like I think China and Taiwan and Hong Kong, they're even like, you know, people have made hundreds of thousands of dollars just by trading virtual things. Yeah, I it it's it sounds exactly like Bitcoin. It sounds exactly yeah. like I mean anything, any virtual, an art gallery. But it just seems so easy, so much easier to transfer and meet up with people who would be interested. And yeah. to me, the craziest thing, again, as a boomer, is like, I, w I was brought up on Mario World. And I remember like testing myself for some reason. I wanted to hit a million points on Super Mario 3. And I fucking mm -hmm. sat there, man, until like 3 in the morning. And I would not quit till I hit a million points. I was like doing stupid shit. Like the Mario could like drill into blocks and each block was worth like five points or something. And I like yeah. figured that out. And I was like, if I do this for 30 more minutes, I'm going to hit my goal. And I like yeah. no, no, no goal in mind other than the points, no like progression. It was just doop, 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 doop. And now I think about myself then and I put myself in today's world and I'm like, I, my life, I, I could lose an entire summer. Like if I'm 15 and I don't have to work, yeah. like why would I ever leave if I could yeah. accomplish and feel this sense of gain? It, it, yeah. it, it sounds so addicting to me. It's it really can be addicting. Like it's gotten to the point where you know there were even whole like virtual casinos for in-game skins for a different game called Counter Strike. Um, <laughs> and that are legal, like ageless. Yeah. Any kid yeah. can get on there. It's straight up illegal. It is. It would just Jesus. be like you know, you know, gambleskins.ru or something like that, and be like, just are you eighteen? Click it. Put in your you know your your payment info. Put in your inventory and go go ahead. Go wild. 
and it was just straight up like literal virtual slot machines and dude how many uh, kids are snatching their parents like credit cards and just hoping for way a too month? many way too many <laughs> Uh, my younger brother was almost that. And then thankfully I was like, I stopped him. I was like, look, if you do this, if you, if you, if you take my parents, if you take, you know, our parents card and, and do this, like they are not going to let you have any money ever. Yeah, dude, dude, that's a point of no return. Cause I can't imagine the identity theft on top of like the liability. Like, how are you going to, what are you going to call fraud? Like, I wonder what the credit card companies would do if you were like, Hey, I'm sorry. My son stole my credit card unauthorized. Like, would they make you press charges on your kid? Would they eat it? No. You know? I, I think I think there's a certain, like, I, I don't know if the law has been updated for that, but I've heard stories of, of parents, you know, that has had that happen to them. And I think either the, the company, you know, the games company or the, the software company themselves charges back everything and they send it all back. Or um, the bank does it and uh, they send the money back because I think there's some sort of, like, a legal thing you know there's obviously a legal disclaimer in any game that has a microtransaction saying you know there is real world currency in this game right like you can spend actual money be careful yada 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 uh i've heard of some companies that haven't refunded people and that's destroyed their lives but most of the time i think it just makes good press so <laughs> they, they do it yeah i guess that's a good thing because you wouldn't want the parents to then hate the game and all of a sudden if parents are having to pay for the internet or buy whatever yeah pay for the server. pay for the the internet and then pay for whatever they're buying in the game even if it's a completely free game yeah um yeah dude that's wild your brother was snatching the credit card did you happen by chance to see him or he came to you to like scheme on it he came to me to scheme and i was like yeah no i'm not doing this <laughs> i was i'm a year old a year and like a year and two weeks older than him so i was like look this is dumb don't do this. Make your own money. You know, cut lawns. My parents would give us like 20 bucks to mow the front and the back lawn. Yeah. You know, that'd be enough to go get like a, a gift card for Steam or, or whatever game we were playing. I'm like, just do that. Or like, just, you know, walk dogs. And that's what I did. I worked yeah. as a busboy when I was like 15 and a half at a family restaurant. And that's pretty much what I spent all my money on was Steam gift cards. And I think I bought an Apple Watch as well. But Really? Yeah. Yeah, man, that's but, amazing to me. The value, but like again, like I, I want to be like, what a waste. But at the same time, I look at myself like, and I think back to my childhood. It's like, why the fuck did I buy all those baseball cards when yeah, I would earn money? Like, I, I would do even the like same. a generation above that. It's like Pokemon cards or, yeah. or whatever. Yeah, like Pogs for a while there. We're like, I don't know if you Beanie like, Babies, anything. Dude, yeah, no doubt. My daughter with these Beanie Boos. It's like, what the fuck, man? And now, now they're nothing. But it was like she'd perseverate. She would do anything to earn like 15 bucks to go grab some limited edition Beanie Boo that was a tiger of a different color. And it's like, yep, yeah, that, that meant something to you. And, and that, that perfectly kind of is encapsulated online. And interestingly enough, you know, because of the, the game was the game that I would play a lot, uh, was virtual, I guess, clothing, cosmetics, like hats and like shirts and, and like just different cosmetic things. Uh, that, that kind of, I guess, planted a little sapling in me for, for my, my current, uh, I guess, fixation on, uh, on clothing and fashion and sneakers, especially because that's basically what I, what I'm doing now with sneakers is kind of just the, the grown up, you know, grown up version of that where it's physical items in the real world and it's a lot more expensive. 
Yeah, I was watching one of the videos and I didn't understand it because again, boomer, but you had a pair of Nikes and you had um, like, what's uh, the super sharp razor that has a handle on it. You were basically cutting off oh, parts yeah. of a Nike oh, to expose like purple within it. Yeah, the the Union Dunks. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and I was like, are so are you doing that to explore the shoe? Is that a views thing, or does that hopefully are you hoping it adds value because that would be the only pair that looks like that because you're the one who customized it? Well, those shoes, um, interestingly enough, they actually. Um, the way they're constructed is it has two layers for the upper so that the part that I cut away is like a... Look like a like mesh. A yeah, it's like some sort of like ripstop mesh. It's very thin. But underneath all that is leather. And that's on every single pair of those that, that have come out. And so what I did was I just cut away certain panels to, to my liking. And actually that, that devalues the sneaker technically because it's not dead stock or not modified in any way. Obviously value is all it depends on the eye of the beholder of course if there's somebody who you know likes the way that i cut my shoes like that then they're obviously gonna want to buy my pair but you know I, i'm more into the um the the collecting and the uh the fashion aspect of shoes i'm not really into the um the reselling and the marketing stuff uh i know a little bit about that but it's more the the having the thing that i guess most people don't have or have you know having the interesting pair that not many people regard as their favorite or having something interesting, you know, that is not just like a collectible that you just have on a shelf. It's, it's really uh, sneakers and, and clothing in general has more recently, especially become uh, an expression of wearable art and wearable value, or I guess perceived value of a person. Yeah. Uh, monetarily at least. Does it have to have, like what, what makes it interesting to you? Some sort of unique backstory to it? Or is it just the more rare, the more interesting? Uh, uh, or it's something else? It, I shouldn't try to frame it as those two things. It's, it's a little bit of those things. It's also, you know, the design. Um, uh, I've always been, ever since I was a little kid, uh, I've always had a very mechanical and design-oriented mind. Um, I've always, you know, when I was a little kid, I wanted to be a roller coaster engineer. I wanted to be... <sighs> you know, uh, like some sort of, you know, mechanical person. And that's, you know, I did an architecture class and for Boy Scouts. It, it, I've always been kind of interested in that field of, um, uh, I guess, engineering spaces and the way people, you know, uh, I don't know the right way to put this, just uh, creating something that, has a profound effect on somebody through an engineering way, like through mechanical uh, mechanisms or through something that you created with your hands, like art or on a stage. Because if you really think about it, uh, all art has some sort of engineering in it. Um, whether it be, you know, for me, it was it was pottery and ceramics. I did that for eight years, all throughout middle school and high school. I don't know why. You know, uh, I went to a weird head to school. That's something we can talk about a little bit later. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I, I did that. You know, I, I did theater. Um, you know, I, I did vocal training for that, and I did piano for a little bit. I went to 
high school for my last two years, I did engineering and mechanical, you know, mechanical CNC machining and you know, learning how to write programs for that kind of stuff and learning how to cut and mill metal and, you know, to a, an exact degree of you know, specificity that most people wouldn't think would be in a part. Like, you know, for example, like your toaster has to be machined in some way or like your fridge. In all, in order, in order for it all to fit together, or even the buildings that you stand in, they all have to be engineered and created to a certain way. But there's a there's a beauty in the way that you know people trying to find a way to put this. It just sounds like you really appreciate unique construction and precision. Like I mean, it just, dude, all these experiences. It's amazing to translate parts of a toaster to like shoe appreciation but it really makes yeah. sense it like it yeah, makes just, sense for the intricacy and the detail yeah. or even like to, get, to go even higher scale like watches that's like the ultimate oh dude example of that like that blows my like, mind uh, a richard mille like watch that has like oh this has a a quartz mechanism that's tuned to a you know this specific frequency that gives a specific tick rate or whatever has this specific gear pattern that replicates a solar system Obviously, there are people who are like, I like the fancy diamond bling watches. However many diamonds you have, give me the most. Then there are some people that are like, how is this engineered? How is this put together? Does it feel right? You know, when, because if you wear, a, if you wear a watch, any kind, you're going to feel it, you know, a slight movement on your arm. There's like a slight ticking or tapping. And that even that matters to certain people, like the way it feels just on your arm, you know, in motion, the way it looks in motion, the way it sounds in motion. And sneakers are kind of just a, a step down from that where, uh, you know, you obviously have performance stuff, you know, like basketball, football, you know, even like lacrosse or weightlifting. You know, the technical aspect of that and designing it for a performance uh, mindset and aspect, like, you know, modern basketball shoes, for example, the, the one I can think of right now, um, the, uh, the new Zion Williamson shoe, um, the way that that's engineered, it's... Uh, very different and unique in the way that it has you know a, a half of an air stroll unit and then the forefoot is all zoom air and it has a forefoot strap and the way the lacing system is all set up to where it locks down certain parts of your feet and that's just all the technical aspects of it that's like how it's going to feel how it's going to fit how it's going to you know move with your foot but then obviously somebody has to you know goes like hey how do we make this enticing for somebody how do we how do we make a product out of this how do we market this and how do we make this desirable and then obviously have to create something that looks nice and for the most part i i buy shoes that i think fit that category just with your aesthetic yeah they, they all have a certain aesthetic like well not just a certain aesthetic but they all kind of you know they're they're interesting they're unique because there are people who buy a bunch of one shoe like people who just buy all jordan ones or people who just buy all Air Force Ones, or people who, you know, just buy all Nike Dunks. And it's, you know, obviously there's an art in that. That's just the, that's the collecting, you know, having different variations of the same thing and scaling that with rarity. But then there are people who buy a wide variety and, you know, they, they appreciate the, the more subtle details and the way it's designed and the way it's created and engineered, you know? Dude, the way you just explained that Zion shoe, which I have not even seen, I almost wanted to like just Google it while you were um, yeah. talking. But like it's 
you sound like to me you sound like an engineer <laughs> like you do can, yeah. can you describe like when you start also talking about like you having like a palette or an aesthetic I started thinking of, and I, I'm not super good with art, but like Picasso's blue period or cubism or surrealist yeah. or whatever, Monet, the, the French little like drippy where nothing's real defined type stuff. Yeah. Do yeah. you have, are there certain like labels for you? Do you have a label or? Uh, I, I wouldn't say in terms of sneakers, I, I have a label other than just weird or different. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, I guess we got to work on the branding for that one. Yeah, I got to work on the branding. It. Maybe, maybe there's a little like two of my favorite shoes of all time are the Air Jordan 15 and the Adidas Kobe 2. Um, Wait, are the Kobe 2s those? They they weren't the Adidas ones of his, right? Where they had the three stripes and they look like a moon shoe. Yes, that's it. Stop. I, I have, Stop. Because uh, uh, yeah, I was see. looking at your shoe Instagram and. Yeah. No, these are not the ones. The Nike Zoom Kobe Two. Those are uh, those are his. Um, no, yeah, the Kobe Two White. I'm looking at Flight yeah. Club. Yeah, those are hideous. Those are even more hideous than the ones I'm remembering. Of maybe I'm remembering yeah. the original Kobe. Let me. That's what you're I'm, into, huh? Yeah, let me let me see if I can post a picture in the um, in the chat. Dude, I, I love it. I'll just post a link. Actually, a link. Yeah, I do not. Have you actually worn the Kobe 2s? Yeah, um, they're, uh, I have two pairs of them. No uh, way. I, I have one that I wear exclusively for very special occasions, and it's a, uh, it's a, very, it's a triple white pair. It's the one that I'm going to be uh, sending to you in a second. Here, if I can just bring it up, if it'll agree with me. That should be it. Triple white pair. Is this going to be you stealing every bit of my money? No, I'm no, just no. Kidding. That'd be awesome. <laughs> but um, okay, yeah, that's that's the pair that I have. That's the nicer pair. You know, I wore that like when I walked across the stage at graduation, or the day that I turned eighteen, or you know, I just did a. We can talk about this a little later, but I just did a, a family, friends and family event at this uh, sneaker store called Corporate here in Cincinnati, and um, I wore those then because it's like their fifteenth anniversary or something like that. Yeah, it really is one of those, like the fact that I kind of even remembered it enough yeah. to be like, ill. it's yeah. not like, ill. that's horrible. It's like, ill. but that's fucking cool, man, that you're yeah. into something that's kind of like, when it came out, the whole reason I thought he didn't stay with Adidas is because the shoes didn't sell. Like those, so, well, I think those this, came this out. This shoe was the reason that he left Adidas. Yeah, the right. The shoe itself. <laughs> And it was like uh, kind of a shitty like, shoe too, right? Yeah. He was like, I don't like this. Yeah. This is not a good, he was, he just said, this is not a great shoe to play in. And then he, he bought out his contract and obviously, you know, this is him you know, at one of the heights of his career. So he could afford to do that. Yeah. And he was a free agent for a while. You know, he had some Reebok player editions and then he eventually went with Nike because they were like, yeah, we have this, you know, new technology. We got, you know, some of the best designers in the world. Not like Adidas. Doesn't have great designers. Shout out my boy Andrew, uh, Andrew Parks, works at Adidas. Um, just uh, recently moved over to the basketball division, even. So he's creating no the next generation of, uh, of basketball shoes. Um, but, you know, uh, they Nike at the time were like, yeah, we have all these great people. Come here, look at the prototypes that we have for you. And, you know, he was just like blown away by them. So he was like, yeah, I'm, I'm going with Nike now. 
Yeah, I just remember when Kobe came out with the low top basketball shoes and was like, well, look at soccer, stupid. He yeah, was like, exactly. enough said. He was like, enough said. They they play in cleats and their yeah, ankles they play are fine. In low top cleats. Low and top cleats. Their whole thing is they kick a ball very yeah. hard. Yeah. So if they're, you would think they would want to wear high top, almost like boxing shoes because yeah. of that, but they didn't. Yeah. And, and um, it was so simple and it was so smart. And I don't know if like he came up with it or if that was part of the Nike sale pitch because whatever. But the fact that he was that dude to be like low tops. Yeah. And like you uh, look at Nike, Kyrie's now and it's like Kyrie's are nothing but low tops. KD's are nothing but yeah. low tops. Like LeBron seems kind of foolish to keep staying yeah. with the moon shoes and the high tops. Well, he, he, he has a high top and he has a low top. The thing is with Nike, they've always really had a low top basketball shoe. It just, for, for the longest time, players, NBA players thought that the added ankle stability that a, a higher collar would give you would be better for your foot. Yeah. But... Steph you know, Curry, you remember the Under Armour Steph yeah. Curry's dude? Those things went up to your fucking kneecaps. <laughs> yeah, I, I think Kevin Durant had a shoe like that too. Like they had straight up uh, here. Yeah, dude. They had a, a sock shoe that would go yeah. all the way up to like your, your kneecap. Yeah, yeah. A knee high uh, Kevin Durant Nike KD Elite or something. Yeah, it just seems it. It's weird because it makes sense when you say it out loud, and you think of like ankle braces, and you're like, "Yeah, man, tighten up your shoe, tighten up your ankle. You don't want to roll it." But then you're like, "I, I don't know. I, it just, I don't know if the shoe is going to prevent a rolling when you really, like, I never spoke to a physical therapist <laughs> to yeah. be like, "Hey, does this actually happen?" But it seemed yeah. just easy, and I think that's why a lot of basketball. It seemed like a basketball myth. Like a wise tale, like don't yeah. go swimming a half hour after eating. Don't play basketball yeah. in low tops. That was kind of the, the, the general consensus. But, you know, it, the way that the, you know, the first Nike Kobe's were high tops, or at least uh, I think three-fourth cut. They were just above mid-top. Um, but uh, I think I started with uh, the Kobe 4. And that was like his first low top model. And that just, it knocked it out of the park uh, uh, you could even consider the adidas shoes especially the, the adidas kobe 2 a, a low top but just the way that your foot sin, sits in that it definitely feels more like a three-fourth cut but the true first i guess for him proper low cut that was that got a lot of play time was the kobe 4 and that evolved that evolved into the kobe 5 and then the kobe 6 which is you know that shoe came out in like 20 13, 2014, I think. And that's still the most played NBA shoe, you know, today because of the performance retros that they've made. And I'm just looking up the Jordan 15s and it's the same fucking shoe, man. Like you do have horrible taste. Jesus. I, I have, yeah, Those I have horrible 15s. taste. It's, um, I, I don't know why, but. Well, the 15s, you know. I forget. There's a story behind them because the 15s look almost like, is it the Jordan 12s or 11, the black and reds? Um, do you know what I'm talking about where it yeah. has like, it's all black and then like the red part comes up. It looks like columns on the side. That's, that's the 12. I think you're talking about. Yeah. The 12s, dude, I bought a bootleg pair of those at a flea market and thought I was the shit till I put them on and like, they could not bend at all. Yeah. yeah the 15s, like I want to say when the 15s came out, I just remember people being like, Oh, they're the 12s, but uglier. Yeah. That's I mean, for me, I, I don't know if it's the shape. I don't know if it's the way that the, the lines kind of intersect. But 
the whole shoe, it, it's very unique and alien to me, but alien in a way that's like good. Like it's something that it's, it's a neck breaker, I guess is the term that most people want to use. Oh, okay. Um, light on me see if I can yeah dude the neck breaker makes sense but like at the same time like you look at art and like when you see something that's abstract yeah you're yeah. like why and like to me both of those shoes are very abstract or almost like postmodern in a sense yeah I was I about to say it's like, yeah it's like hey man like get really hyperbolic with something yeah. and just and make it weirdly extreme mm-hmm and like, oh, and when you want basketball shoes, you want cushion. Let's make the Kobe 2s look like some marshmallows, but give them yeah, some lines yeah. so they don't look like slippers. Okay. Yeah. Boom. Give them a, a thick, you know, rubber outsole, you know, make them have the three stripes. Or yeah. the Jordan 15, you know, I, it was, I think it was inspired by a fighter jet. And they said, let's have the lines of like a swooping fighter jet and carry that over. Tinker Hatfield carried that over and, you know, apply that to the design mantra of the 15. Um, yeah. I feel like he was retired when those 15 came out, and I think that's why people were pissed. I forget. Yeah, MJ we're, we're... was retired. I think he had just retired after yeah. the 14s. Yeah, and then that's what it was. was. Like when he moved to baseball, I think, for a season. Yeah, and dude. He, I think he came back. I think that's what – it's almost like if food doesn't smell good, it's not going to taste good. You're already, like, mm -hmm. upset by it. And I yeah. want to say, yeah, that the fact that you're like, oh – you fucking left basketball and you're still putting out basketball shoes. It was kind of like a little fuck you. So was, whatever you put out wasn't going to be good enough because everybody was upset anyway. Yeah, because he wasn't playing in them. And, you know, uh, I, I want to say um, a, lot of the, a lot of the main Jordan retros people go after, the, the 1 through 14, uh, pretty much anything after the 14, people look as like sacrilege. You know, they, they like the shoes that he played in. Yeah. Um, the 15 is like, even like the, you know, the, the ugly duckling of the, of the ugly ducklings. People <laughs> say that shoe is so bad. That and uh, I think either the Jordan 19 or the Jordan 20, people really don't like. Um, but, uh, you know. Yeah, the 19s are hideous too. <laughs> yeah, pe people, they had some good ones in there, though. The 18s look nice. The 21s look nice. See, um, the, so the 20s, I do kind of remember them. And the fact that they went with, like, the, there's a strap for your ankle. And yeah, it's almost like. ankle collar. Yeah, yeah, the ankle. Okay, so the ankle collar. And then it has, I want to say the KDs this year did it, where it has that really big strap that swoops over the laces. That was last year. That was okay. my brother has a pair of those. Yeah. He, he plays he plays basketball. Um, and uh, he he has a pair of those. That was yeah, I had totally forgotten about these twenties, but the KD is definitely biting off of these now that I'm looking at them. See these Jordan twenties, like I feel would get play. They were almost advanced for their um, time. Yeah. Two thousand five. Like yeah, two thousand five. Yeah, nah, man. Dude, so I um, there's a basketball tournament um in Southern Delaware, Slam Dunk to the Beach. I don't know if you're familiar with it. I'm not. I'm not. LeBron James played in it. That was like our claim to fame when he was a junior in high school. Um, and then like we get a ton of NBA dudes. Um, Mo Bamba, Cam Reddish, has been in it. Um, as recent. I'm trying to think if there's any other recent, more recent people. But anyway, the teams that come are legit national teams. Um, Dewan Wagner's son was there this year, the top sophomore in the nation. Right. And um, there were eight different teams that had those KDs on 
that had the cover over them. And I just, yeah. I hadn't seen them before. And I was like, dude, those are fucking dope, man. Yeah. Um, I don't know how, how they play, but, um, my brother, he's a, he's a big fan of Kyrie's models. Um, he, uh, you know, I think Kyrie sevens, Kyrie eights, uh, he got those KDs cause I think he has to wear them for the, at least formerly his school. Right. Um, he graduated this year, uh, just barely, but, um, <laughs> uh, I think he, he had to wear them cause they were team colors. So yeah. Yeah, some schools don't do that. Some schools, and uh, now that he's doing summer leagues, um, uh, he, he can wear pretty much whatever he wants. But um, you know, I, I was not big into sports growing up. You know, I played soccer. I played a little bit of football. I played a little bit of a little bit of baseball here and there, just like for a season or two. But it was never really something that I was interested in. But um, yeah, you seem I, uh, super analytical, dude. Like, I could see yeah. you in the middle of playing, just like zoning out and start analyzing what the fuck's going on well, versus that's what like I would do. playing. Uh, there's a there's a big stadium, a big high school stadium here in Ohio for uh, Elder, um, and they're like they're a big high school football place, and uh, their, their stadium is called the Pit. And I remember my little junior, like baby's first youth league football game. I was doing math problems in the dirt or like that instead of sitting on, instead of, you know, participating in the thing. I, uh, I was just scribbling in the dirt, you know, little designs and, and math problems and stuff. And, uh, which is ironic because I'm built like an online player. Like, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm six, three, you know, I, I, I'm two two seventy five and a good portion of that is muscle. So it's not like, you know, I'm not built for it. It's just, I've never, never been a fan of it. Yeah, so then why are you into basketball shoes? Uh, I, it's not just basketball shoes, but I, I really don't know. I, I guess it's something that kind of connects me and my brother a little bit. We don't have a lot in common. So, you know, the fact that I can, I can kind of guide him and say, hey, you kind of want this shoe if you're playing like this. You know, if, if he's a point guard, I think, or like a forward assist. And, and the, way that he, uh, the way that he can, you know, best shoe for that. It's kind of like finding the best tool for a job and uh, to be able to kind of be like, oh, this is the best for you. Obviously, you know, there's some sort of personal stuff to him, really. It's his personal choice yeah. of what he wants. But I can say for what you're doing, this would probably be the best thing yeah, and also look the best while doing it. Yeah, the shoe place is a very weird place to me because so I coach middle school basketball um, and one thing I hate we do tryouts like in November and kids pressure their parents to make them buy shoes, which can cost fucking hundred dollars are like, you're, you're getting bobos. They're fucking like, yeah. they're nothing. Yeah. You're going to get laughed at. Right. Yeah, exactly. And, you don't have Nike name brand Adidas yeah. Under Armour, you know, dude, it's over. Forget it's it. Over. It's over. You're getting clowned. So yeah. there's this investment that is initial, but then only like 12, 15 kids make the team out of 65. So the, a lot of parents are like, I'm going to wait. And now kids are trying out in like sneakers that are like they've had since sixth grade that they kind of still fit in now in the middle of seventh. And yeah. then, then they're like, oh, well, we want to order a team shoe. Now you got to wait like another month and a half. So now you're practicing in like new balances. And mm -hmm. it's like, it's a weird spot for low income people to go with. And on top of it, it's like, how do you go and try on a basketball shoe? that you're going to spend 150, 200 bucks on and like, know it's going to be good for you by walking around a store. Yeah. That's, 
there, there are some stores that have like a, a patch of like basketball like court material, but it's obviously it's not like up to par or anything. Yeah, and you're um, not like hooping. You're not running. Yeah, you're, you're not running you're around. Not you're not cutting. doing any of the movements you're making. Yeah. You're not. You're not cutting. You're not. You know. Just not Gumming. the intensity. Yeah, there's no intensity. The other thing about those is my brother, he was one of those kids that he would always get the, the takedown model, but he would get every year's takedown model, which those are essentially like you have like the name brand, like say you have uh, the Kyrie, you know, the Kyrie 8 um, is like the name brand mainline Kyrie shoe. You know, for instance, like some kids, they would get, you know, like the Kyrie Flytrap or the Kyrie oh, yeah. Low are the cheaper versions they're not necessarily worse they have <laughs> very similar technical specs to them you know like they might be missing like a zoom airbag and heel or they might have a different kind of foam in them they might have a different upper that makes them cheaper to manufacture cheaper than you know they already kind of are which is something that's a completely different thing um just the quality of basketball shoes for the general consumer going down over time because uh, if you didn't know the the way that Nike and Adidas and most major basketball shoe and just general athlete shoe brands work is they make a much, much, much higher quality shoe with higher quality materials and you know, better lasts and uh, the, the most, I guess, pristine versions of their technical specs um, for the players. And then the, the, the same version of the shoe that you buy in stores is not necessarily the same, same version, you know, might have different style of foam or it might have a different cut of height or it might have you know a slightly different thickness of midsole and outsole or the rubber compound might be different all to reduce cost dude are so like this information that you're talking about is this on nike's website are these bloggers that are speculating are these like leaked articles that people uh, who work at nike put out on some reddit uh, it's a little bit of all those honestly a lot of Former Nike designers, I've come out and, and said that, and uh, I don't want to say a lot actually. Um, gotcha. I, I've heard, I've heard, a, I've heard a few of a Nike designers say, you know, we definitely upscale the the player shoes, which I mean, obviously, which makes sense, man, because like that's sense, your problem. But... Do you remember when Zion's sole blew out in the Duke game, mm -hmm. yeah, and they were yeah. like, dude, that like I think Nike's stock went down like twenty percent the next oh, yeah, day or they, something. The sales of that shoe plummeted. Yeah. Uh, the, the, you know, there was memes about it from everywhere. And even then, that's like, it's still like a, a performance player spec shoe. It's Zion, he's just, he's the next Shaq, basically. Yeah, dude, he's Bo Jackson. In the game. Yeah, he's just massive. In, yeah. In, you know. But it makes sense height. that those dudes who are six seven at that level get a higher quality. Like, I, maybe you double stitch Zion shoe. Me, 5'10", yeah. 170, playing at open gym. I'm good with a single stitch. You know, and yeah, you know exactly. what else? It's, I'll, it's, I'll take it for 30 bucks cheaper or whatever. Yeah. Like, it's, that's cool. It's stuff like that, yeah. Uh, and it's not necessarily saying that that's a, that's a bad thing because that just means the overall cost of the shoes would theoretically go down. But in, in many cases, <laughs> uh, it's, it's not the case. Um, if you'd see the way that even like, uh, there, there are good budget, you know, there are, there's a whole giant, I think now, especially more than ever with, you know, the introduction of brands from China other parts of the world um and just the general atmosphere of a basketball shoes um there's a lot there's a huge huge array of budget sneakers that are just amazing like uh, i know puma has some nike definitely has some adidas definitely has some uh, even like i think new balance does as well 
Did you see um, Stefan Marbury's documentary, The Kid from Coney Island? I think that's what it's called. Uh, I haven't. Uh, what's it about? Okay. Do you know who Stefan Marbury is? Starbury? I, I don't. I don't, actually. Are, are you serious? I don't, yeah. Oh, dude. So, Stefan Marbury, Coney Island, there was this run of, like, point guards that came out of New York. So, it was, like, it was basically the score first point guard generation. Him, Steve Francis. Marbury went to Georgia Tech. Francis went to Maryland. So, Starbury tries to make it. He was teamed up with Kevin Garnett. And it was going to be him and KG. And they were both, like, 22. And he want KG got big money. Starberry's contract was next. He couldn't get his money. So then he started getting traded. And then he's in the Phoenix. Then he goes back to New York. Then his career's over. Then he goes yep. to China and, and he blows gets up there. Key to the city, dude. Like wins like 12 championships in a row type shit. Something similar actually happened to my um Jimmer Fredette. Are you cousins no. with Jimmer Fredette? No. <laughs> Um, my, uh, my, my ninth and 10th grade, uh, history teacher, massive giant man, six 11, um, or something like six ten. Um, uh, his name is Dr. David Stark. Um, brilliant, brilliant, just generally all around great guy. Uh, I still talk to him occasionally, even, you know, after graduating, he's like one of those kind of teachers yeah. that like, you want to be like, yo, this dude is actually like a general like mentor and guide for my life. Uh, nice. It's been a while since I've spoken to him, though. I gotta, I gotta shoot him a phone call sometime. But um, he uh he did basketball, you know, all throughout you know college and, and tried to get big scholarships, but he couldn't. So he went, I think, overseas for for schooling initially to get his doctorate, and then while over there, there was like some Eastern European basketball league, and he went over there and won like a bunch of championships and like just killed it. Right, and that's that's a that's a you know, career path for a lot of people, like people, dude, you made good NBA, money. Yeah. The NBA isn't, you know, the only basketball thing in the world. Like you no. got like the CBA, you got like the, the European leagues. Dude, they're everywhere. A lot, yeah. They're everywhere. Yeah. Every a lot country. of guys, especially recently people like, you know, um, what's his name? Um, is it Boban? I don't, I don't remember, but there's been a few, like a handful of people recently within like the last like five years that have come over from like those European leagues, like from the CBA and have come into the NBA and have just kind of like blown up. Yeah. Well, Luka Doncic won the championship was an MVP. I forget whatever the Slovene. No, he actually, I thought he left Slovenia and went to a more competitive league in another European country. But yeah, I mean, yeah. The, dude, the, it's it, it, you get paid, but to go yeah. back to Marbury, his thing being um, growing up in the projects on Coney Island his thing was like, I'm going to have a shoe and it's not going to be more than $30. And I'm going to be cool enough where you can spend $30 and not feel like you're getting some cheap Bobo's shack yeah. type shoes. Like yeah. that you're buying Which, at Kmart. Yeah. Like you're getting Which, legit quality shoes that we're going to sell as close to cost so that kids can hoop and they don't feel the need to go like rob, yeah. steal, sell drugs in order to get the money to look good. Or have their parents, you know, spend, yeah. you know, like go without food in some cases, rent or yeah. go without food just so their kids can have a dream of hooping. And yeah. Actually quickly going a slight tangent to the Shaq thing. Shaq kind of thought the same way when he, right? when he started his Walmart stuff, like he was with Reebok before. And then he, I think the story is like, he met a mother in like a Walmart who like confronted him. He said, your shoes are too expensive. Kids <laughs> can't afford this. And Shaq was like, damn, 
I kind of forgot my roots because, you know, Shaq wasn't very well off as a kid. Yeah. So he was like, I got to get my ass out of this Reebok contract and make an affordable shoe that little kids can wear and, and not feel bad and, you know, still have a big NBA player on it. Because I think this might have been after he, he retired or might have been just before when he, he came out with his own Shaq shoe brand. Yeah. But now I think he's he has like that in tandem with Reebok or something like that. And Reebok is going through a whole thing with Adidas right now. I think they just got sold off from Adidas. So it's like, it's, it's, it's just levels of, you know, business on business trying to yeah, on work that out. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's funny, man. I didn't, didn't think um, we would get this um, into basketball shoes and, um, virtual selling of stuff on a getting yeah. to know you pod Aiden I feel I feel a little bad although man yeah. your knowledge is well beyond mine and I have twice the lifespan of you man yeah. like you are I, versed man you are technical with your knowledge it's I just want to blame it on the ADHD honestly <laughs> you just sit there on screens and you're just like clicking and reading and like scrolling and you yeah, remember I'll, numbers I'll, really I'll well it. I'll just I'll read away I wouldn't say numbers pretty well, but just like random interesting, like things that I find interesting, I'll really like just zone in on and hone gotcha. in on that. Um, which is not to say I'm not finding new interests all the time, you know, and not, you know, trying to actively grow my, my knowledge base of just general life experience and things that I know. Yeah. But dude, I was having this conversation. Um, it was actually a life coach the other day. <laughs> um, and, um, it was like, I feel bad. Like I genuinely enjoy teaching and supporting kids and trying to make them better at reading and giving them interest in books and help them if they think reading sucks to be like, hey man, try looking at it this way or using reading for this. And the conversation was just like, I feel blessed that I don't feel like I work. Like I enjoy my day. I, I do open gyms in the summer. I don't get paid for it. I got one tomorrow morning. I'm going to go and teach kids hopefully how to get their feet right on a reverse pivot and make a layup off the proper foot. And yeah. it's like, that's fun to me. I couldn't imagine having a job where I resented it. And I yeah. feel like what you just said is a lot of times people are like, they feel this pressure to be like super worldly into a ton of shit. And it's like, what if it's okay to just be interested in stuff? And like, that's your passion. Yeah. You know, I, I, I think people just try, try to spread themselves too thin over too many things. Yeah. And and try to, you know, I guess and I'm guilty of this too to a certain extent. I think everybody is kind of either consciously or subconsciously. Um, trying to just be more than they really are and have a lot of surface level knowledge about a lot of stuff. Hundred percent. Like headlines. I said, I'm, I'm very guilty of that. Dude, Believe it's headlines. Me. Nah, well it's, with shoes and with the um I don't even know what to call it. Like the virtual tokens and shit. You weren't yeah, man, virtual you're, marketplace, yeah. Yeah, dude, you're able to go into levels with tier three specific vocabulary about it and shoes yeah. you're doing the same thing but like a lot of people are like oh man that the chicago shooting that just happened or yeah. was it chicago i don't even know see that's me yeah. i don't even Hi know the highland place park, yeah. highland park it's and just, it's my, my sister lives not too far from there so it's, it's oh pretty, man yeah but yeah that's one of those things where it's like oh 22 year old huh and it's yeah. like okay well what else do you know i it, it, there was a shooting seven people died it was tragic I know a little bit more than that, but no, I mean, no, I don't but wanna, yeah, yeah, but I, like that, I guess that's a current event. That's my example of like yeah. surface level where you, you read the headline where it's like, oh, a 22 year old 
random white dude shoots up uh yes. you know um, ar-15 yeah gun control and then you just have these buzzwords and because why do i have that because i'm doing fucking 40 different things with yep, life and i'm not taking the time to spend 45 minutes roe v wade actually was another thing we got into i was like i actually don't even know why they chose to stop it i just know i feel weird about them saying yeah. roe v wade but you, i didn't read you the, the you see the headline you're like a lot of people just base their the whole thing on the headline yeah and, um, not to say that you know that that whole thing it's it's good or it's bad or it's in between that stuff for me especially just me being like the age i am and being a guy it's you know i, I can't really uh it's not your I, lane I, man I, it's not my lane at all, and especially online. Like I don't have a Twitter anymore. Um, I got banned in it when I was sixteen. Um, Wait, did you really? Yeah, uh, I made a joke about a, a porn star who was attacking me, and they didn't like that. Please tell me that story. Um, yeah, uh, it, it starts off with me and another guy. We were shooting the shit, and this this guy he's he has a bigger following than me. Um some like gaming or thing that I just knew through Twitter and I was just talking, you know, shit with him. And, um, this girl come, you know, this like random porn star just comes to the conversation and is like, you know, talking, you know, just straight up being aggressive to both of us. And so, um, do you remember how, like, what I do remember, uh, do you mind sharing? She was just insulting. Like she, she insulted, like hit the guys, like, Caroline, I think, and, and a bunch of other stuff. And for me, my cat had recently died. Um, I'm, I'm a cat guy. Uh, oh God. I like all, I like all animals, but you know, I, I have a soft spot for cats. All, both the cats that I've had in my life uh, have been just wonderful. They've been just the nicest animals. Um, my cat Josie still jumps in my bed every night and just lays by my head and just sleeps right there. Um, but. My other cat, uh, Einstein, had just died like two days before. And uh, my, my pen post on Twitter was, you know, RIP. And she went straight for the jugular, which in some ways I got to respect. You know, you, you, you got to, you're taking a big swing there. I'm insulting a 15-year-old kid's dead cat. You know, real, real big moves. And so um, because she was a porn star, uh, obviously, her her bits were all over uh, all over her page. And I said, look. I, I I don't want to hear from uh, an Arby's roast beef special. You know, I, I don't want to hear my 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 cat being made fun of by something that you could see like a sandwich shop in New York. <laughs> and um, that's actually yeah. not that bad. Yeah, like that's uh, pretty clever, man. That's poetic. Yeah, uh, and isn't that kind of what like Twitter's there for to like talk yeah. shit and like in Twitter's best form. You want to talk shit in a creative way, right? Mm -hmm. It's like the but, best of your mama jokes type thing. Yeah, but uh, apparently Twitter did not like that, so um, uh, they just they just banned me, and I have not gone back since. And this was, that was like fifteen or sixteen. This is like almost four or five years ago at this point. How so, how did you know they banned you? They sent you a message. They, they, yeah, they like two days after the thing. Um, they said, hey, your, your Twitter account has been banned for harassment against, you know, against specific individuals. And I was like, well, you should see her tweets about us. Because <laughs> she, she really went for it. I, I can't remember the exact specifics of everything she said, but she was like, she went for some actual, like, hateful stuff. And, uh, you know, 
because it's it, just because of the hierarchy of Twitter. She had a bigger following than both of us. I was like, you know, a, a random kid with, you know, 125 followers, most of them were just bots or my personal yeah. friends. Dude, and, I'm on uh, a I'm on a string of like 12 Twitter followers that are have to be complete bots. They're all like these skinny European women that are just showing pictures of their ass. And it's like follow after follow after follow. And you're like, that's how it is for me on Instagram. I'm like, I'm just going to see how many of this goes. See, like on Instagram, I'll block them. My Instagram's legit. Like it's real people, which is nice. But man, Twitter, I'm just fucking amazed that like, that's what's happening. Yeah. uh, And this is even before it's gotten much worse now. Like Twitter is, is just straight up draconian. Like I, I don't want to get into the whole political aspect of all that, but just the, the, the censorship of everybody there and really anything fun or funny to say is uh, it's just, you know, draconian. Yeah, and, uh, it kind of sucks. So do you feel she reported you or do you feel oh, yeah, Twitter? She definitely. She definitely reported me because she also made a tweet about me saying that I was harassing her and uh, had her army of, you know, limp dick jabronis report me too. Uh, and, gave, him, uh, yeah. gave him a promo code for her OnlyFans. Yeah. This <laughs> Would she even Only have OnlyFans? Only yeah, yeah, right? This like was, this was before OnlyFans. She was like, She's follow sending my them private, real pics. You know, look at, look at my private Snapchat. <laughs> and uh, I was like, look, there is not much private if this is what you're posting on your public Twitter account. Like, you got to be doing some wild stuff if your Snapchat is private. But, um, yeah, no, she, uh, she just mass reported me and uh yeah that was it and i i was in a class um actually i think i was in my machining class one morning and i opened my twitter and i was like oh nothing's working and i go and i you know restart everything put my password and i said oh i look at my email and they said yeah you've been banned and i was like "Eh." and you didn't try to like appeal it or anything huh i did uh and nothing got through so i kind of gave up uh and i have not looked back since i have not used twitter since I, I want to say my life is better for it. Yeah? <laughs> yeah. Uh, especially now, now what Twitter has become, I think it's it's especially better for it. Uh, I, I am an Instagram person through and through. There's a lot more positivity and, and niceness on Instagram, I think, just because of the medium that it is, where it's, it's a primarily image-based platform. And you can't really spew a lot of, I'm not going to say garbage, but, you know, not really people putting out their best when it's uh, like a picture of their cat or their dog or whatever. Yeah, Venom. I, I yeah. Twitter, uh, dude, I, I I really think like, I don't know, man. I look at Twitter as just a place to be snarky and look to talk shit. So I don't know if it's the basketball dude in me, but like that's part of the appeal in basketball is yeah. talking shit and seeing what happens. And that's part of the appeal of like, being the white boy who grows up with Eminem and like hip hop is, can I, can I diss you? And the, your mama jokes. And that was huge. And we would like research it. And it's like, the best insults in the playground. Yeah, man. And you know, you look for opportunities to challenge people and see who can be wittier. And Mm -hmm. that to me was what I thought Twitter would be, but I, I, I suck at Twitter. Um, when I, like I've tried a couple times during like the NBA playoffs to like be twitty quippy kind of stuff and i don't know yeah. man people get offended real easy that like it they it seems like it gets way too serious 
and then like people take, genuinely people take insulting. it way too seriously yeah I, my, my buddy is is becoming one of those people and i just have to remind him like look twitter is real life twitter is not real life <laughs> uh, i think actually one of the last texts i sent him is he was a uh, he was gone on a trip for four days and he didn't have internet and so um he said, uh, I always miss so much. I was only gone for four days. And I said, don't worry. It's not like nothing interesting has actually happened. He said, he said not according to Twitter. And my, my words in my mouth were, Twitter is not real life. <laughs> Dude, yeah, that's funny, man. Feel like yeah. you missed so much in four days. And it's like, nah, that's Twitter's job is to make you feel that way. In yeah. real life, like, nah, not, not much has happened. Yeah, it's, it's literally it, the perfect icon for it is a bird because there might be the opinions of everybody and the next best thing is migrating from one spot to another from every day to the next day, you know, it keeps varying and changing. Dude, that's a good call. Yeah. Look at you getting all deep analogous. Oh, since you brought up, um, you figured out you got checked or checked the ban in school. You had mentioned something about the, what was it of awkward or a weird hippie school? Oh yeah. That you'd want to talk about. Yeah, man. Tell me about this school. Cause in Delaware, and just to give like context, in Delaware, we don't have a ton of like charter schools that are unique. Delaware is pretty rural, and it's like you go to your public school, and yeah, you go that's to the, it. Like, district and, school. And yeah, that's it. Your district, and there's nothing. There aren't a ton. We have like some Montessori's, one or two, but you got to pay. And then yeah. like you have a couple of Christian schools, but th- like they're not uberly christian so it's not i'm very yeah. unfamiliar with school They're options like diet christian like oh we say this so we could have like religious tax write-offs like we have a bible class every you know four months or something like that, probably yeah. um <laughs> no but i actually so for me the interesting thing is i i went to two high schools techn- oh three technically if you want to get really technical about it um i spent you know my first uh you know my last half of middle school and my first half of high school at the school uh, I'm just going to say the acronym LOL. Um, actually, no, I'll just say the full name. Uh, Leaves of Learning. Um, and it was a... <laughs> LOL a, is a great acronym for kids to make fun of a school, though, by the way. Like, yeah, and but it, can, can I just ask, so high school for you, 9-12, is there no weird grading system, like grades uh, out it, there? There was a weird grading system at this one. Um, <laughs> so uh, I, I started that school in the sixth grade and so it went like six seven seven eight eight nine nine ten eleven twelve and then like twelve like twelve and then like they had like i think like two adult classes or something like that oh wow um and it, this was like pre-k through 12 so it was like you could go for your full schooling you know career basically in this one like in a building Same in the building. one building yeah oh wow um the it, the tagline, I guess, for it is it's a school for homeschoolers. So by the by the state, the state of Ohio, technically, I was homeschooled, so I didn't get any any special stuff like that. But um, uh, my parents were like, because I, I hated the uh, the school that I went to before. Um, it was a bilingual school, a German bilingual school. Dude, and, you um, started off in a German bilingual school. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was. Uh, Fairview German language school. Yeah. And I did that from kindergarten through fifth grade or how kindergarten much of, through fourth. How much of that stuck? None of it. <laughs> <laughs> for all the I parents out there. You, I wish I could tell you for all intents and purposes, I could, I could find a German script or watch like a German movie and be like, I understand that. But 
No, it, it is all. It was in it, even back then, like in one ear, not the other. It was. It don't don't get me wrong. It definitely helped the moment, but um, and, and it was a, a very. Uh, the campus was nice. The school that that middle school was nice. Middle school, I guess, pre middle school. I don't even know what you call it. Yeah, why? Was nice. well, so we call it in Delaware. It'd be elementary school. Yeah, like elementary. If it was that school, young. Yeah. Elementary um, and middle. What didn't you like about it? Did you feel like it was wasting your time with the German language or you felt confused because you couldn't get deep into um, content? Uh, it wasn't a full German language school. So like we had a class every day that we would take German in. And um, we also, you know, had like regular like English, yeah. you know, math, uh, science, history, art, uh, music. Um, it was all very surface level stuff. Um, Nothing too crazy. Obviously, it was a middle school, so you're not trying to, you know, break the next college grad from that. Yeah, you're probably not writing um, essays, but hopefully you're getting, yeah. like, whatever, the colors, nouns. Yeah, you, you would get stuff down, but it, it just, the way that, Numbers. Uh, especially back in the day, it was so much worse. Just Cincinnati Public School in general for me, it was just a, a nightmare. Um, and obviously, uh, with, you know, my ADHD and um, all that stuff, it, it, it definitely didn't help. Uh, it it really drove me up a wall and, and it uh, I, just one day in fourth grade, I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. I just, I just told my parents like, look, I, I can't do this anymore. I'm not going to learn this way. And uh, it's not like I was a bad student either. You know, I was getting, you know, good grades in all my classes. You know, I was a B plus a minus average student all the way through. Uh, but it was just like so mind numbingly boring to me. <laughs> And so one of my, thankfully, my mom was friends with my teachers. Um, Can I pause like, hey. you just for, because I'm interested in this. Yeah. What was boring about it if you're getting, like it was too easy? It was just recall information? Yeah. Too much was. teacher talking? What was boring? Um, class sizes are definitely a big thing. You couldn't really have like a, a teacher really, like if you needed help, you couldn't have a teacher, you know, come with you one-on-one -on -one and really try to solve a thing out for you. Not for you, but like with you. Yeah. Uh, the it was really all about test scores and um, pre SAT and and you know trying to get those scores up and get the the star. I, I forget what rating system they had, but they had like a star system. Gotcha. Like kind of like the Michelin star system, where like yeah, yeah. one star is like actually like really good, and two stars is like better than that. So they were like a two star school, and they were trying to bump up to three or something. So by pumping, I don't know if like A level students at the end of their tenure at that school, which is like I think till sixth grade, and um, it, it was definitely like a the weird way to put it. It was like a like a high school prep, elementary school, like heavy high school, like test taking prep. Like yeah. you know how people say high school is just a college prep thing. Yeah. Like it, this was like prep for the high school prep. Right. So. <laughs> It, it was, it, it just wasn't really the way I learned. And I, I, I didn't have, you know, socially, it wasn't great either. Um, it, it was in the middle of a, a pretty bad, not bad, but not the best spot uh, in Ohio. And so um, it, it just, the, the kind of people there as well, just they were, were great. <laughs> I was bullied a lot. So. You know, I had to deal with that all through, you know, since kindergarten, basically. And it just, it affected me in a, in a 
negative way. And so I was like, I can't do this. I need a, I need a change. And my parents found this and they through, turned through a teacher you... friend. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I was just going to like make fun of you and be like, see, you got bullied and you turned into a Twitter harasser. Yeah, you know? no, I got bullied and I went, <laughs> I went straight to Twitter and I was like, man, these women. <laughs> no, no. Um, I, uh, I actually didn't think it, I, I really only had a short time on Twitter if I really think about it. Like two and a half years. Two and a half years. It was like, even like the term of like a congressperson. Yeah. I was gone in and out. I made my mark and I left. <laughs> one term Twitter. <laughs> yeah. And um no, but um yeah, my, my parents had a had a friend who was a teacher and they heard about the school in a different part of town. Um it was farther away and it was a technically a paid private school, but it was a lot better suited for me. Um and I did that from fifth grade onwards and I fell in love with it. It was amazing. But like I said, it was a hippie school, so it was weird. Uh, we didn't go to school on Mondays at all. No way. Tuesday through Friday. Stop. Um, Did you have responsibilities on Monday, like independent study, or was it just like a free day weekend? Technically, technically, because it was a homeschool, you were supposed to use that day for homeschooling activities and homeschooling stuff. But my mom and dad had no intention of homeschooling me. Love it. So I was like, hey, three-day weekend, I'm good with it. It was an extra day to do homework. So um, just as a side tangent, with COVID here in Delaware, there was, um, so COVID school closes, you're done in March, and then you come back the next year, and we were on a two-day cohort. So you'd come to school Monday, Tuesday, and then you had virtual stuff Thursday, Friday, and Wednesday was like independent study. And the teachers loved the fact that you got that midweek break to like, catch up with kids who had questions about the assignments, prep, organize, get up with parents. And I thought about that as a four day model. And like, instead of the three day weekend, if you did weekend, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday is like independent study, dude, you got questions. Teachers are like office hours. We can schedule Zooms. We'll be in the building virtually. You can connect from your home. Thursday, Friday, you come back, we knock out the week. I loved and I don't know if yeah. it's because I'm used to a five-day model. Like, would I be pissed at a four-day model like four years down the road? I don't know. But I loved the four-day model. It made, like, school feel more urgent. Like, yeah, yeah, we only have four days. we yeah. got to get things done in that time. That's, that's how it was, definitely. Um, Dude, that's so, so that, cool. That, yeah, that virtual model is actually what my second high school did because uh, my junior year, uh, I left for that, my second school. But... Um, yeah, sorry, I'm jumbling uh, up your timeline. No, it, it's all right. It's all right. Um, yeah, it, it was like Tuesday and Thursday were the heavy academic days. That was like your your math, your English, your science, your your history, you know, your geometry, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but Wednesday and Friday were what were called enrichment classes. I so that love was like, it. That was like your pottery. That was like your interesting history. That was like your theater. That was, you know, your Dude. art classes. Can I pitch um, you an idea? I'm sorry, and I'm just gonna, I might keep interrupting you because I love educational ideas. And I may move out to, I may either start this school or move out there to try to become the dean. So my, my, a private public partnership for a school, picture a two-story building where on the ground level, I give businesses rent free, like picture a strip mall. Mm -hmm. And on the ground level, businesses can be there rent free. 
There are no duplicate businesses. And the catch is one day a week, kids get to come in if they're interested and just learn how to do the shit. So there'd be a fucking auto mechanic shop. There'd be a pizzeria. There could be a barber shop. There could be a, 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 a whatever, well, anything. And you just go there and you can sell your products. And all we're doing is basically getting free apprentice opportunities one day a week for our students to just go see what do you want to do? Like yeah. that to me, like fucking golf course. I Dude, I'd put a par three in the back and teach you landscaping. I wouldn't care. That's kind of how my second school was, believe it or not. <laughs> Dude, it was I a trade it. school. Um, it's it's uh, to kind of jump forward a little bit. I went to Leaves of Learning, then I went to Diamond Oaks, um, which is a, the Oaks are a, a series of like vocational trade schools that are um, in, the, uh, in the Ohio area, like specifically you know where I'm at. But um, you know they had like a, a cosmo, you know, a, a cosmo class. They had you know yeah. web engineering, design. They had arts. They had they were the only Oak school that had an equestrian like lab. They had, you know, botany and they had, you know, chemistry, like advanced chemistry, they had culinary, they had, you know, um, mine was CNC design. They had teaching and they, this wasn't like private companies that would do this is all by, through the school, but yeah. they would have, uh, like I think three times a year, they would have an open house for companies to come in and, have representatives have people show what they do and they would have field trips out to different places. Yeah. Fucking scout, me. man. Like get yeah. your employer base up mm-hmm. or employee base up. That's so we, my lab, we went to, uh, I think two or three different machine shops before the, the pandemic happened. Um, big ones, I think Mazak, And then what was the other one? Can't remember it. I remember Mazak specifically because they catered Chick-fil-A and they ordered too much. <laughs> they ordered way too much. They were all like, here, take multiples of everything. <laughs> they expected a third, they expected like a third or a fourth group to come in and they didn't. So we had like, we could take like three sandwiches, three cookies and like three Cokes. We were just like stuffing them in our pockets. Just, and the, the, they had like the show plant and the actual plant, the actual plant is like two football fields big. And you basically walked through the whole thing. Yeah. So Yeah those extra things were perfect. Um, Dude, your school experiences sound amazing. Why are you yeah. calling this a weird hippie school? You should well, be so the, happy the with this. Before me, it was a weird hippie school. Um, it it kind of was like college in the way you planned out your classes. Like here, I'm going to bring up the website to see, see what classes are, uh, are up right now. There are already. Because um, you had so many like electives or pathways to choose from. You, yeah, you had a, a set selection of. Um, so like we'd call mostly your cores, like your science, your history, your social studies, your math, your English. Those would be your cores. And then you would fill with electives in Delaware or pathway classes where you find interests like art, gym, health, mm-hmm. vocational criminal law, that kind of stuff, philosophy, psychology. Yeah. That's kind of how this is. Um, you have a, you have your core and your electives. So you have like your science, your literature and writing, your math and your history. Then for art, you can have like comic book art or like sewing, or I did uh, sculpture 3d art. Dude, that's so um, cool. Uh, you could have like language arts, like graphic novels or journalism or like advanced film and literature. Yeah. You could have like special math. They had dungeon. I, there was a dungeons and dragons class. 
that was taught no at, at my school on Wednesday or Friday. And they had after school stuff too. The, the teacher who did, um, Mr. Dan, uh, Dan Carlson, he's a great guy. One of the, one of the best teachers I have ever had the pleasure of knowing. I had him for a few classes, but, um, yeah, he, uh, he just, he taught the, the advanced history stuff and the advanced world religion classes. And he also taught a lot of the electives. Like one year he had a, uh, it was a history class, but it was a doctor who history class, but it was D and D based. It's so, like, you play like a, a version of Dungeons and Dragons that was all doctor who themed. You go through different historical periods and play through that. And then you have to write about that historical period. So, so Dude, Dungeons yeah. and Dragons, I didn't appreciate till Stranger Things. And watching those dudes down there play, and then especially with the Hellfire Club in season four, yeah. and really thinking to myself about the like, I, I don't know who the person in charge is with the notebook, and they like sit there and they tell the story out. Yeah, the dungeon master. Yeah, he was that for our class. Yeah. But he, he was a teacher too. Yeah. So he would integrate teaching things into it. So it wasn't just like, oh, we were just playing Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. There was a class for that, yeah, but the the one that I took, it was it was you know history based, and you would learn stuff through it. Yeah, like what a great way to teach history to kids is you throw yeah. out scenarios that were actually real and have them battle through it with consequences. Like that would yeah. just be so much fun. Like I, I took a a storytelling class one year, and it was taught by um an author. Have you heard of him, uh, Rick Sawash? Uh, he's an author and composer. Um, he, he taught like a, a French class. He taught a storytelling class. I took that and he taught music theory, which I was going to take, but it couldn't fit into my schedule one year. But they had just, they had a bunch of weird classes. Like obviously there's a scale for it for age. Like you can't be like a, you know, like a 11th grader and go to like a Lego building class. <laughs> like that, like, and, and like one of the, like the middle school things, that was like one of them. Um, yeah. For like first through eighth, obviously, you know, as, as you get older, it scales to, you know, you know, I guess yeah, a little more serious, a little more technical, a little more yeah, depth. You know, only instead of going from Lego building, you go to like Dungeons and Dragons or like floristry, you know? So, so, um, but, but that was the, the people that I met there and the teachers that I met there and the, the, the whole the classes were, were very small, no more than like 12 kids per class. It's all very individualized. Um, the environment was a uh, very kind of open and uh, the teachers were actively trying to help you. Like if you didn't, like you were, I wouldn't say considered a bad student, but if you didn't want their help for a lot of stuff, they'd be like, Oh, like why, why not? You know, like yeah. we're coming out here giving you this help for a reason. And um, just some of the best, you know, the best teachers I've ever met, like the best, People who made it made learning interesting and fun and it made it it was very hard it was a hard school too obviously because you got those four days and you have uh, a bridged kind of shared pool of grades when you have like six seven or seven eight you kind of got to play to the, the highest common denominator with that so you know that i learned a lot of stuff uh i wouldn't say advanced stuff but stuff that was like a little above my level when I was like a grade below. Yeah. And that, um, definitely prepared me for, um, uh, for, for my schooling and later in life and, uh, just challenges later in life in general. Um, but also it was a weird hippie school because there were a lot of hippies there. 
a lot of like <laughs> free like free spirited people you know like uh like white women with dreadlocks very very there was i can count the many how many people were there on one hand that were white women with dreadlocks but you would think at most schools it'd be like one or two there was like you know seven or eight of them and um you know just a a progressive school too you know so that's that's I'm not saying it in a bad way. It's a very, it was a very good thing. That was a progressive. Yeah, it's definitely not fucking traditional, man. Because schools yeah. are so driven, like that first school you so went to, rigid. like schools which are, are like we're so rigid. Tennessee yeah, public. man. Because it's all about test scores. Because all yeah. the bigwigs don't want to lose their jobs for funding mm-hmm. if their scores drop. They want to, they want to get funding. They want to get grants, and they want to be able to write off, you know, stuff for their taxes, write off, you know, expenses for their school. And leaves was the exact opposite of that. Yeah, obviously, you know, we had to pay money. It was a, a paid school, so there, there's a barrier entry of that compared to like a free public, like, you know, public access school. Um, yeah, but, but there's uh, something to be said for that, man. And that's the whole case. And this is like a weird tangent, but yeah. it's been a debate about like with school choice and um, vouchers, mm-hmm. you know, where like each kid in their state budget, I believe, is, has, has a number on their head. And it's a huge thing in Delaware. Like if somebody transfers, you fucking lose 25 grand and that sucks. And they do a lot to keep kids that are in their district within their district because yeah. you don't want to cut a check to another district for like $3 million because they took 50 of your kids. Yeah. And that's how like, I think that's how CPS was. I don't know if it still is like that, but they had the number system and then they, they included that with a lottery as well. So it's, it's like the worst of both things. What do you mean with a lottery? Uh, on what school you would go to and like what school you'd be picked for in your district. Oh. Like if you had like, so. They didn't luckily, do it by location? It wasn't like a radius they, for the shortest bus ride? It was by location, but it was a lottery by location. So like, I, I think New York does a similar thing where like you have like your public schools in like a certain area gotcha, and you're in so, that district. Yeah, so I many I think literally you. for me, I'm in the Cincinnati public district. And then the next street over from me is like the, the, I forget what other district, but it's a separate district. Like one street over we're in the very edge of that. And, um, like I said, thankfully my mom knew a teacher there. So, um, she, she already had an in cause my teacher, you could, you could have a, if you knew like faculty, you could have them vouch for you and all that stuff, <laughs> um, which was a little dirty, but you know, my parents were just trying to get me into a good. That's life. Yeah. Who you know. And, and it wasn't like round upon. It was like, you know, my parents they would, you know, talk to the teacher and be like, yeah, so and so and so and so. This is why I think you'd you'd be a good fit for the school. And then both me and my brother got in. I think the year after my brother got in, they uh, they stopped with the lottery system because like people would camp out in front of the school in order to get in. Oh wow! Like to put their names in the lottery. Yeah, it was. Uh, they had just built a new building when I got in there too. So this was like the nice new facility. I want to say nice and new, but it was just like a concrete brick, right. you know, house with brutalist modern architecture that, you know, didn't look great. That's a whole nother thing, but it was, <laughs> um, yeah, people would camp out like in the middle of winter, like sign up was like in January or in, in February. And so, and this is like, Ohio winter, you know, it gets to like in the negatives on the worst days and like low tens, teens, twenties. Right. 
throughout the rest of the day. And, uh, yeah, people would just camp out and my mom and dad did that and they switched spots. You know, you'd have like your, your chair, or, like your tent, and you would switch out, you know, do shifts. And that's how you apply for the school lottery. It's not just mm-hmm. a fucking email. It's not just an email. I think recently they, they switched it what? to uh, an email system. But for the longest time, it was you gotta camp out in front of the school you want. You gotta you gotta put that hustle in. You gotta show you really want it. And even then, you don't even know if you're gonna get it or not. Oh my god, man! Talk about like inequity for a student who would be yeah. like so parent dependent to yeah. give them an yeah. opportunity. Yeah, it, wow. it was it was rough. Obviously, like they had like programs for people to get in. You know, like they had like. Uh, I think like inner city programs uh, and like transfers for all that. And um, I don't want to say like scholarship stuff, but like just like grants, I think that you'd be able to get if you're like a low income family. Yeah. You get like a higher chance to get into a better school or something like that, or like a reduced tax cost or I, I don't know the full, you know, bureaucracy and logistics of it, but yeah, it it was a wild system. Yeah, dude, that sounds so – well, if the class sizes are that small – and you're talking about the school that this, like uh, coupled the 6th, 7th grade that was about no, 12th this, grade. No, that was, that was my middle school was the was the one that did the, the lottery. The 6th, 7th was – you just it was a, like a private school. You paid to get in. Okay. And, you know, this school, it only had like – my high school had 300 kids, whereas my middle school had like – I want to say 600 okay so there was and that in my elementary and middle school was like 20 25 kids in class so yeah. it was they were packed in there like sardines yeah yeah that dude it, it it's the one thing about schools that really sucks is and i've heard this about colleges is the more money you put towards them the more administrators you get when again like we were talking about this earlier about like oh i don't know about economics like well maybe we Maybe economics really isn't that hard. Maybe it's simple. And I've always yeah. thought teaching is very simple. It's like you just need smaller classes so that mm-hmm. you can actually give attention to the kids. Yeah, like you it's can very one on one. Dude, as much as close as I can get. So if I'm a teacher in a class of 10 and I got you for 60 minutes, do I really want to just give each kid 6 minutes of attention best case scenario? Like that, like that, think about that out loud. Like yeah, how yeah, much are you going to learn? How efficient is that? You get 10% yeah. attention and like me talking and you have 10 kids just listening to that. That's even tough to really yeah. grasp knowledge, man. And yeah. it, it it's a weird, as much as we say we care about education, if you really did, it would be pretty simple. You just want more people in there and smaller classes and then kids would feel connected. Kids would build yeah. relationships. You'd have time to know, oh, you're a cat person. And I can deal with your cat story because then I also have time to get to the academics versus, yeah. no, 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 yeah. no, no. Can't hear about your cat. Yeah. What's up with this problem? The the other thing is uh, class lengths at, at my middle school, they were very short, um, like 30 minutes. Whereas uh, my, my high school, um, my first one, it, it was like hour 15, you know, hour 30 depending on like what day um you could have study halls you could have you know days where you just didn't even go at all and that was like your homeschool day right um 
that's that's kind of the school for homeschoolers thing that was set up. I knew a bunch of kids that would only go two days a week for either their like enrichment stuff or or their academic stuff. And did you and then, like the longer class periods? Uh, it had its ups and downs, um, <laughs> like with like with everything. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah, obviously. I, you know, with my, my ADHD and my kind of hyperactivity, which has definitely scaled down as I've gotten older. Um, when I, when I was younger, it was, it definitely impacted me more. Yeah. You know, it's being in that same room for like an hour and 15 minutes. It felt like forever. Um, but it, it depended on the teacher really. Um, cause there were some teachers who uh, were just bad, just bad teachers. Um, and there were there were a lot of teachers, way more teachers that were amazing and that made the, the subject legitimately interesting, like uh, the you know Dr. David Stark, like I previously mentioned, or, or Dan Carlson. Um, th- those two were definitely shining examples. Rick Sawash, uh, those those three are definitely like shining examples of like you know what what you want a teacher to be or like how to make a, a subject that you know like French, for example seem interesting to to kids or something like world religions or you know social studies so that some kids wouldn't be interested in obviously i was interested in all that stuff because i'm a nerd (laughs) (laughs) just to to put it plain and simple i'm just a nerd um and uh to make stuff like that interesting for uh i thought i had a bottle of water around me voice is getting kind of scratchy. <laughs> yeah, it can be weird when you're talking for a while, man, right? Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to um, go grab something? I mean, we can pause uh, if you yeah, want to. A, I have a bottle of water that's just like out in my kitchen. So yeah, dude, absolutely. We can take man. a little break. All yeah. right, all right. I'll be right back. Stay hydrated, folks. Drink your water. Drink it. It's good for you. Need it to like live. I don't know. I'm not a doctor. Don't trust me. Don't drink Dasani. <laughs> I, I just go tap water. I thought yeah. it'd be funny. I for a second I thought it'd be funny if I left you on for like two minutes just to ghost you to see how long before you were yeah. like this motherfucker. But yeah, no, nah, I wouldn't be like like that. No. Yeah, you're um, way too kind, man. Thank you. Um, it's uh something I definitely have had to have to learn just through my life. Um, just kindness is such a really seem to think that being rude and being kind of in your face about a lot of things gets you the furthest in life but it gets you just before the finish line you always fall short if you're an asshole yeah because who wants to do anything for that person yeah exactly <laughs> who wants to like follow through on plans or like make business deals or or even in yeah like wh- even just conversation converse with somebody who's just an asshole yeah yeah no doubt i i look at it like if i needed some if i needed someone to inconvenience feel inconvenienced are they willing to experience that discomfort in a yeah. world where it's nothing but pleasure and comfort i i don't want to be like if you got to pick me up because i got a flat tire hopefully it'll we'll at least have fun on the ride back home hopefully at least have a good conversation or I don't know. It's not going to be just me bitching the whole time about this flat tire. Yeah. And then you being like this motherfucker, all he does is complain. Yeah. All he does. That, that's how, when I was a little kid, I was a little bit like that. So I had, uh, I had to unlearn <laughs> that really quickly. Yeah. Um, I'm kind of curious. Oh no, God. It, it's, it's a little different when 
you're a little kid though because you kind of society's expectations of you are just so much lower when you're a little kid yeah. like if you're not you know I, I don't know like just being a menace and you're not like destroying property and you know just causing general problems as long as you're like sitting down in school and eating your greens doing your homework most people really don't give a shit yeah no, no doubt you can you can have a little a lot of odd behaviors that are accepted that completely wouldn't if you're whatever 15 yeah. 18 20 40 like I, I i knew a guy that when he was a little kid he would just sniff people randomly <laughs> like he would you know go behind somebody and just sniff them and he was like 12 and he would do that and you see a 12 year old do that or like a not even 12 actually he was like eight eight or Eight or like seven. I thought you were going to say 18 and I was yeah, going to no, be like, no. yeah. if you see like an eight year old, like 12 is pushing it. 12 is like, yeah, you're about to be a teenager, buddy. You're going to, yeah, if you're that? 12 and that's puberty, I'm like wondering where he's sniffing. And I'm like, yeah, no, like, man, like, you, wanna, you might want to have a talk about that. And like just sit, sit your kid down and be like, Hey buddy, like you can't just be sniffing random people. But, um, you've got some animal tendencies. Yeah, you, you it might need to, you know, evolve a little bit more. <laughs> but um, no, if, if you if you see like an eight year old doing that, you're just like, oh, that's like an eight year old being an eight year old, being a dumb kid. But if you see like an eighteen or twenty eight year old doing, it, you're like, yeah. you just think, oh, immediately like that dude needs to get like punched in the face. <laughs> like yeah. I'm, I'm so I'm not a violent guy, but if you see somebody just like creeping like that, you're like, oh, that dude's a weirdo. Like don't even be near that guy. Yeah, well, I don't know. There's something to be said about the hot pan treatment of like how many times you got to touch a hot pan before you learn a tot like sometimes yeah, that's true. all the understanding the talking the for us it's restorative practices we're like maybe you know what we should just do stop yeah and just say yeah. just no how about we just how about we don't make it a conversation no yeah, yeah you just don't do this anymore <laughs> you do this and there's plenty, there's a, there's a like, problem for your it's actions. done you're gone do you want to yeah. stay or go bye yeah, exactly like there's no extra and that sometimes with as emotionally woke as and considerate as we try to be, because I guess woke has a negative connotation to it. Aware would probably be a better yeah. way to say it. But like there's something to be said for that stern, firm standard of like, nope, yeah. not crossing that line, dude. And yeah. like a lot of people can form much easier, much quicker and have a better life when they know those structured boundaries. Yeah, but, it, it definitely if you learn those boundaries uh, when you're a kid, it, it definitely shapes you. I'm not going to say better, but it definitely gives you a better foothold into maturing better. Yeah, and like what society accepts, man. Like that's yeah. the point, like function in society. Oh, cool, that's not okay to sniff people. So I can't go yeah. around. And like, dude, if you if you never get told sniffing's bad, like you're three choices away from groping. Yeah. Exactly. You are that. That's like sniffing, you know, licking, brushing against people, licking, licking. That's like that's even worse than groping in some in some circumstances. Like if I have a dude just lick my neck, I'm, 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 I'm pulling out my backhand for that. Like that's even you're if, getting the knuckles warmed up for that. Even if he's like, oh, so you're into that new upgraded axe body wash, huh? Yeah, I'm. I'm like. You can you can just step off, buddy. I'm not having that. I'm not having that. I got a line and you've crossed it. I can I can deal with a lot of stuff, but no. I can't um, take any more liquors. <laughs> yeah, but uh, 
Uh, it's, uh, yeah, there, there's something to be said. Um, I, that's kind of how it was in my household. There, there was a, I was a dumb kid, very dumb. Uh, just even for a kid, I was just like, like I said, I, I tried to do sports. I would just play in the mud. You know, I would be like, it sounds like you're just like, really interest based, man. Yeah. Like you're uh, kind I, of a nonconformist, but not in like that weird, like not in that, um, like anti-authority way because you seem very respectful but you just seem like you're the dude where so if like i'm a boss i need to find a project you're into and support you and let you roll and i feel like yeah. you're gonna feel yeah. the accountability on your own and you're gonna want to produce and you're gonna want to have the esteem that comes with making something cool versus yeah. here's your task here's how you have to do it get it done on this deadline i feel like that's when you start to get maybe jittery or whatever you want to call it yeah yeah that's that's definitely uh, that's i've been described like that a lot yeah like you just kind of you point me in a direction and if it's something that one i'm super super interested in and that, that's a big part of it obviously i i was super any job or anything in life really you gotta be interested in it or else why do it at all yeah because then you're just kind of existing and if you're just existing and you're not making the most of it what's the point this is why you got to watch the matrix, man. That's where yeah. that philosophy comes from. You're just a battery for, you're yeah. a battery for the machine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it, you know, that's, that's obviously one part of it, but two, it's just the kind of the way my brain operates. Like I can function with deadlines and with, you know, you have to do this task in this certain way. Yeah. I can do that up to an extent. Like the job that I'm working on right now, yeah, I'm a, if you want to get super, super technical with it, I'm in a, a metal finishing shop and well, I'm, in a, I'm in a pipe workshop and I'm in the metal finishing and mechanical de finishing department. So I polish things. <laughs> if, you, if you put it, just if, if you want to put it in the super, you... super simplest term, I polish things. Dude, you That's started it. off like, and if you want to get real technical and I thought I was going to have to like really, really pay attention. Like, you, like lean forward, pay attention. And then you yeah. ended with, I polish things. <laughs> yeah, I polish things. But that's really, this, that's that's like the simplest, I kind of contradicted myself, but that's the simplest way to put it, is I polish things. Right. But I polish things to a level of extreme precision and extreme uh, uh, scale. A, a precision, and to, precision and to, polisher. Yeah, it's like I'm like a technically I'm a trainee, mechanical finisher. Um, but you know I, I work. You know some of the projects that I do is it's it's like medical field stuff. Like I think some of the things that we made were were stuff that would help deliver COVID vaccines, like you know, like mm. containers for them, like industrial scale, or um, you know stuff for like food and beverage. Or stuff for you know blue or it's it's all these boring fields you really don't think about stuff that would be used for pipes for, but the, the level of finish that you have to apply to these things it's it's mathematically precise to a certain degree, and you can't be over or under a certain level you can't hit certain surfaces, you know and we work in conjunction with the engineers and the machinists to make parts as easy to produce as possible, and. We're always trying to find a way to eliminate overprocessing and overworking of certain parts. Uh, find the perfect balance of quality and um, safety, or not safety, quality and effort. 
Yeah, efficiency. That that's yeah, the goal of business, right? Yeah. Like what's the highest quality with the most efficient and then hopefully your profits are yeah. the largest. And uh so I, I actually went into that position. I, I kind of failed upward a little bit. because <laughs> um, I started in the uh the hand drilling department, which is it's supposed to be the, the trainee level position, but that's how it was in like the seventies when the when the business started. Or like whenever the business started. It's like how it was. You're like using a big vertical mill and you're like drilling metal and drilling holes and, you know, making threads and things. And uh, it can even go to like deburring and like, you know, light, you know, cleaning up of parts and labeling, packaging stuff. But over the years, especially, it's gotten way more complex. And uh, even my supervisors noted that because um, when I was being trained, my, uh, my trainee last December... Uh, came down with COVID really badly. He was out for a month. And so I was the only other person working in that department. Oh, dude. That's so, so how'd you deal with that? Was that pressureful for you at this young it, age? Especially oh, because yeah, you said you training. It was a lot of pressure because, well, I, I want to say I wasn't the only person working in that department. I was the only person consistently working in that department, like five <laughs> days a week. God. So I had, a, I had my, 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 Supervisor trainer had another guy that was here every so often, like I think like three times a week, and then another guy who was special needs was um was a uh, with us as well, and he's like he was like high functioning autism or like some sort of uh he wasn't neurotypical in, in a in a sense I don't know exactly what he had it was Asperger's or autism. But, uh, yeah, I work with those kids and I still can't yeah. differentiate that spectrum. It's, We're just like, Hey to, man, you're... I had to be with those kids for a while. I have ADHD. I think I'm not going to say I'm on the autism spectrum, but I have a lot of tendencies that would fit in that. Dude, I've got told I'm on the spectrum. I'm just unidentified and I'm yeah. 40 years old when I meet people and they're like, what do you mean? It's like, well, you do stuff like you don't ask about my weekend. You just come in and talk about what needs to be done. And I'm like, well, we're at work. What am I supposed to do? Yeah, <laughs> like, or like, and they're like, and or, but I, I've also been a special education teacher, and they're like, you know, if you took whatever that screener is, you might you be probably. able to qualify on the spectrum. But then, like, the more we deal with these kids, it's like everyone's on the spectrum. Yeah, you know what I'm really saying? Like, it really it. is. Everybody, everybody has their own little tick or their own unique yeah, thing. But no doubt. For man. some people, it's more. For some people, it's less. Yeah. And, and for this guy, it's, it's a little bit more. So uh, the, the special needs guy had just come in two weeks ago uh, before my, my supervisor got COVID. And so after my supervisor got COVID, he was out for the entire month of December from like December 6th to like the 29th. So, you know, like missing a handful of days, but the brunt of December, which was our busiest time of year because it's, you know, the end of the year, uh, at least calendar, not fiscal. Um, and uh, it was just starting to pick up. This was like just before this whole recession thing that's going on, recession, not recession, whatever you want to call it. Whatever this thing is going on is, it's, it was just before that. So people were ordering stuff in droves and we, I had to keep up with everything. So while having to make all these different parts and try to work that and try to teach myself how to do stuff on the job without a supervisor over my shoulder, I also had to keep watch over a guy who was seven years older than me 
and he's technically a trainee, but because I was in the department longer, I was technically his his over. I love that. Um, <laughs> seniority. Then, yeah, seniority. Just because I've been there for you know five or six months more than he has, and I know a fraction more yeah. knowledge. Yeah, it's and like the had, fraternal so, twin being like, "I'm the older brother." Oh, why? Because yeah. you were born nine nine minutes earlier. Yep. Yeah, you were. Yeah, you were born <laughs> seventeen minutes or whatever. Uh, yeah, but uh. And then I had to also keep watch over the special needs guy, and he can't be working on the giant machines, because obviously, you know, it's, there's a certain uh, mental and physical dexterity you need to do that, and yeah. actually do that safely. It's yeah. The biggest thing about it. Not saying the guy was an unsafe, you know, he wouldn't be able to do that. It's just uh, he he got there two weeks ago, so they're not gonna throw him right on a machine right away and have him just be like roll tide, but uh, you know. I'd have train him on stuff and find stuff for him to do. And how old are you as this is going on? Like this is current. I was You're... 18. Yeah. I was 18 when I was doing that. I'm 19 now. So God, dude, that's a lot of pressure. And then were you able to make mistakes as, so when you were like, and I'm yes. kind of learning how to make these parts, were you able to like have some waste mistakes. and like yeah. throw some scraps away? Or were you getting like yes. pressured to I was, up? I was, I was able to throw scraps right up to a point, but my, my supervisors totally understood what was going on. That's, so that's huge. I, I, I technically had a higher scrap level than what was tolerable. Like I would get like a point on like my, my employee sheet for the amount of scrap that I had. And I was like, look, I didn't have a trainer for, you know, the entire month of December. And I had to balance all this stuff. They're like, look, we're not going to take this against you. You actually show really, really good initiative and drive and like actually barely, just barely kept things together for us <laughs> during this time. So we're not going to fire you. We're not going to, you know, put anything against you. We're just going to move you somewhere else. And I was like, I'm fine with that. And they were like, you can be either at the saw station or at the polishing station. And the saw station is that's basically you're taking big, metal stock that's like just a giant piece of metal to use whether it be bar stock like you know rectangular bars or round stock just like discs or cylinders of metal and you would just cut those all day that's what you would do you'd come to a specific length and you'd be cutting a specific material or polishing uh and i picked polishing because i heard great things about that from a few of the people and kind of back and forth from that area over to here, not here, over to the handling area. And um, what polishing were the, is... I'm curious, what were the great things? Just like you don't lose the thumb polishing like you can cutting? That, that also, you can't really scrap out a part unless you majorly mess it up. Oh. And pretty much fix all of your mistakes and you're encouraged to, to make a mistake and to learn from it. Huh. And to, 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 no, which is not to say you weren't encouraged to do that in hand drilling. Yeah, it's just more drilling, costly. Yeah, hand drilling, it's more costly because you're affecting a part in such a major way. Whereas, yeah. uh, as one of the finishing operations, um, and hand drilling was, and so is polishing, but polishing is, it's a lot less, I'm not going to say destructive of a part, but you're, you're not taking as much material off and you're not affecting the part on a, on a, grand scale you're not like milling off a flat yeah. you're not you know uh adding ridges or adding a thread 
scrolling and tapping. Yeah, polishing a doesn't seem like you physically alter. You you do, but it's it's such on a microscopic scale that it's, it's yeah. really it's more visual and for other operations uh, ahead or before us, even in certain situations. But uh, handling was a level three area technically, and polishing is level four. So I, I technically failed upwards. <laughs> and that comes an increased pay ceiling. And no once I go, once I go from trainee to like level one polisher, it's like I, I get like a five dollar bump in my paycheck per hour. Yeah, per hour. No way, dude. I'm, I'm already, I'm already making like fifteen seventy. So it's like I'm doing that right out of high school, and I was making fifteen twenty after, like, went before I graduated. Like I was doing co-oping. Uh, my school had a, a program for that where like i would go and instead of going to one of the labs i would go and work instead and that would be yeah. my class credit dude i love the co-op option for kids yeah, it's, to it's get so... out there man and just fucking start getting a job if that's what you're into go get it man go it's get so it. useful even if you don't like the job you're doing for the whole time it's just it's it gives you that experience and at least if nothing a mark on your resume and some money in your pocket yeah. at the time. Well, so are you familiar with uh, Jordan Peterson? Mm -hmm. So Big do, say again. Uh, not super familiar with his body work, but I, I know kind of some of the stuff he talks about. Okay, yeah, he has this like um, one percent thing where he's like get better every day one percent, and he has this other thing that's really stuck with me, which is make a plan. And even if the plan is bad, if you're smart enough to pay attention to why it was bad, you got better. And it yeah. goes with his 1% thing. So he's like, even if you made a mistake, well, it's not really a mistake that hinders you from getting better because now you know what not to do. And if yeah. you're smart enough to not repeat it, you're going to be better because in the future you'll avoid that and it'll lead you to things that are more likely to be positive for you. And yeah. Kids on co-op, like, why wouldn't you, instead of sitting in a boring, like, Algebra 4 class or whatever, like, go get a job and for half a year. And if it sucks, be like, dude, I'm so glad I'm not going to get into auto detailing. Yeah. Done with that in my life. You know, and now yeah. you know versus you graduate and now you need that job because all of a sudden you have rent to pay or bills and stuff. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm not super in love with my job right now. I mean, I, I don't envision myself doing machining my whole life. But obviously, I'm 19, so I have a good at least 20 years to figure out what I really want to do. If you want to stretch it, you know. Dude, you still haven't hit my age. That's awesome. You just said, I've got a good 20 years to figure out what I want to do. And if at that point, you still haven't hit my current age of 40. Yeah. It's still like. And I picture myself as I've got another 20. Like, I could change careers right now if I wanted to. Yeah and still get a whole nother 25 into something and then still have another phase of my life. So yeah, yeah you, you definitely have a huge amount huge, of time huge, yeah. to and explore. Yeah. It's obviously, you know, there's some stuff with like being a kid that just comes with that. I, I missed out a little bit on, you know, I wasn't super sociable. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't super into like high school relationships or high school drama or partying all the time. But, um, stuff you can't like get back but uh just moving forward in my life I'm, I'm just like i'm just trying to think about the best pathways for me to achieve what i what i what i 
feel like I should be doing, at least in the moment. <laughs> yeah, and so you're going with more of the trade route than the... Do you have any interest in going to some sort of like college atmosphere to get a little bit of that experience? Yeah. Um, my buddy goes to a university of Cincinnati and it's, it's a great school. It's, it's very close by me and I've heard great things about it. Um, I'm sure I could get in. I mean, I, I, I graduated with honors from from my, my diamond Oak school. And then I had like a 3.99 GPA all throughout high school and I had good SAT scores. So it's not like I'm not capable. It's just, uh, I'm just taking a, a year to kind of figure out what I want to do. Like I graduated, you know, last year, basically at the height of COVID. So I want to say I missed out on junior and senior year. So that kind of left me a long time to think about what I really, really want to do just being at home so much. I'd say that's the, you know, to get a little bit of the pandemic stuff, that's the biggest way it really impacted me was just, thinking about what really is my, my goal in life, what, what not goal in life, but that's never going to be answered. But what, what I really want to do for the immediate, by immediate, I mean like 20, 25 years of my life, like going wow. into adulthood. So you think that far, like it's not a five year plan in your mind. It's like a 25 year, like you, you think of the future career section like that. A little bit. It's, it's like, five solidly defined years. And then after that, it's kind of like, eh, something right. happened. I can move to, you know, Europe or something. And but. well, I'm curious about the pandemic because I've not spoken to kids and I don't mean to insult you by calling you a kid, but it's just because I'm twice your age. But I understand it. kids who went through that, I've only experienced the whole, like the opposite spectrum, the elementary and the middle school. Yeah. The missing junior and senior year, like that is it's, a ton of social. And I'm curious, like the yeah, discoveries. Yeah, I, I, had, I had wanted um, junior and senior year to be, you know, big years in my life. Um, I, I had gone to a completely new school. I was surrounded by completely new people. I had, you know, no friends. I, I knew one guy from a summer camp that I took at, at Diamond Oaks one year and he, he was in the same class as me. So I kind of like talked to him for like the first two months. That was pretty much it. But, um, I, I just, I, I was, I was not a social butterfly at all. Really. Even at my old high school, I, I found a good group of guys that I mesh with and like we're super tight now. Um, but, uh, just, I wanted to definitely get out of my shell a lot more and just like experience more like the fun aspects of, high school and junior and senior year. Cause that's really when you should be doing that. Like I, I know it's, you know, like senioritis and all that stuff is like a big thing, but really you want to take that kind of like the victory lap almost like you're in senior year, you've done your whole 17, 18 years of schooling before you, you've gotten all that out of the way. And you know, college is like the next step up from that. But when you're just going to school for free and you're, you living with your parents, which, you know, I still do. I'm only, you know, only 19. I, I still have a lot to, to go yeah. for. Dude, you should. And just as a weird little <clears throat> side note. So I went to the military and one of the best things the military did for me was um, get me a bank account. And yeah. I was able to pocket money and I came out with like five, six grand. And I never 
knew that much. I grew up in a trailer. Like I never had that much savings and the options that yeah. gave me. And I, I, the reason I bring it up is like the fact that you're about to make 20 bucks an hour. And if you can deal with living with parents for a year, the fact that you can explore financial responsibility with that safety net. Yeah. What a benefit versus let me rack up 35 grand in student debt, going to a college and not yeah. even knowing what I want to do. So I don't think you should yeah. feel bad about that in any way. Yeah. Um, if you were, I'm not saying that you were, but if you like were. I said, there's, there's ups and downs with it. Obviously I want to get the college social experience. Like the pandemic also really showed me just a lot. Like ironically enough, the time I was the most alone was the time I wanted to be and felt the most social. Like yeah. I started coming out of my shell a lot more. Like, you know, I, I met, you know, somebody who was, I thought would be a partner um, for the first time really during the pandemic. I, I grew closer to my friends. I lost a friend but it turned out to be a blessing in disguise. I, I, cause I gained so many more like cool people, you know, I, I obviously sneakers became once again, ironic. You wear sneakers outside a lot. You're supposed to <laughs> do that a lot. And when I had my job and when I had, you know, money to buy sneakers and I would buy them, I would be like, Oh, I can just take them to the grocery or like take them on a walk outside. But I couldn't like go into the city or go to like theme parks, or, like show them off really. For the most part, it kind of obviously loosened up, you know, farther along we got. But um, college, definitely, I, I want to get out there more socially and, and just kind of, I'm, I don't want to say let loose, but uh, just open up more, uh, bloom more, just Do you get it in my skin more, I guess. Do you picture that, like just talking with random people like you are now, part of why you want yeah. to do the podcast? Or do you picture yeah. it as like, the keggers kind of a thing uh maybe not the keggers uh maybe a little bit of that i don't know a tiny bit <laughs> just years. enough where i'm like you know obviously you got the expression give it the old college try so right. i might just do that um but no yeah like if somebody came to me you know even like a year ago and said hey you want to be on this podcast and just talk i'd be like i don't know i don't know about that um but you know just coming through and uh, growing up more and just realizing like just how much I've matured like as a person during the pandemic, like some emotionally, some, you know, I wouldn't say spiritually, but some like mentally, like it's just, it's, it's a big thing to really kind of have that happen during such a, a volatile time. In, in my in my life, I'm curious about the mental, or not spiritual, um, um like maturity. Is that connected yeah. in any way to just coping and dealing with the ADHD, or is it something separate? Yeah, uh, definitely. It's 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 ADHD, but also a lot of external factors that you know some uncomfortable stuff happened in my life. Um, uh, during the pandemic, but also just growing up, um, you know, my, my father, he, uh, he drank a lot, um, when I was younger and, uh, thankfully he's, he's clean now. He's been clean for seven months. So, Oh man, good for him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there was a really big, you know, scare in our family health wise. And then also like divorce wise. Um, yeah. And that, that really 
cause him to like reevaluate his whole life and be like, oh, I just can't be coming home and going, sitting down straight in the office and drinking and watching, you know, like, I don't know what he would do, like watch like John Hannity clips or something, just yell at, this, yell at the computer screen. But, um, I'm, not, uh, I'm not trying to minimize just the way you worded that yeah. and just the, the, I can picture the frustration in the scene. And I guess maybe that's why I'm giggling. I, it's now that I'm thinking about it, like it's kind of a jackass move of mine. No, it's to it's, giggle it's, at it, but like it is kind of funny, yeah. comical. And I guess the reason I can laugh is because I know, like you just said, seven months clean. Like that's awesome that he had the revelation and revalued yeah. time. And that's that's really. I mean, obviously, there's still like a lot of damage that happened during that time that is really going to take a lot to heal. But he's he's definitely made positive steps in that, and I really applaud him and appreciate him for that. I think it's he's definitely making positive steps towards the relationship as a whole, like family wise and just with me, because it was definitely me and him were definitely butting heads a lot throughout my whole life. And it, it got to the point where it was like, it, it just got so bad. And I just, uh, yeah, I had to go to a mental hospital for like a week and a half because no. I just had a mental breakdown at like 15. No way, man. Stress from from them and from him and just so much stuff that I don't really want to get into, but okay. That's yeah, fine. It was, it was rough. It was rough for me. Dude, you, like emotionally, you are, I'm, I'm telling you right now, dude, in Delaware, you're a fucking top 10% kid that I've been around. Like I'd fucking hire you immediately. Thank you, yeah. Like, dude, no, no, I'm, I'm not like shitting you, man. You, you checked in with me, what the night before to confirm the podcast right? Like, yeah. and I normally send that day of, which is what I had told you. Like, yeah. that's a level of maturity. The fact that you're prepared, you're thinking about your voice, like you're articulate. I even feel you speak with less pauses, stutters. I use the word like a lot. Like I've noticed that about myself. Um, I feel you speak really well. You're extremely intelligent. Like, man, Thank you, I, I can't believe you're someone who had to deal with something like that. That kind of breaks my heart as a teacher because you yeah. see so many kids with, they don't realize their own potential. You know what I'm saying? Like you don't realize how fucking awesome and great you are going to be. You just got to get through this current place that you're in. Yeah. You know, and it's pretty easy to spot in kids to be honest with you. Yeah, there was, sorry, but I'm turning off my fan. Sorry. Yeah, it's fine. Um, no, yeah, there was definitely a moment in my life where I was, I was one of those kids that I just didn't realize my own potential. Like it, it was just, yeah, dude, I, you're going to have, say, you're going to have so many options, man. Like you're yeah, going to be able to pursue your interests. I really think you are. Yeah. I, I, for me, just like growing up emotionally, it was, it was a term. It was just tumultuous the whole time. Like I, I guess I went to a mental hospital for a week and a half, just, to deal with all that stuff. And I, I was internet therapy when I was younger. Um, and it just, it's, it's really affected me. It's a major way to kind of, I guess, mature on a, on a different level. Like even like a lot of people have, have told me, and I don't want to like be tuning my own horn that like I'm, a, I've been mature for my age. Yeah, you are. And uh, I, I, I've heard that <laughs> ever since I was like 12, but that, that, that can kind of mean two things that can either re really mean like, Oh, you're like 
legit like you're thinking ahead of like most people which for some people it was like that when they, when they would tell me that i'm mature for that, my age but then for some people they're like oh you grew up hard and fast uh... that could be the other i guess in my my head the other meaning of you're mature for your age like if you meet somebody who was like you know grew up in like you know brooklyn on like uh you know like the parents both worked like two jobs were never in the house so like their yeah. kids yeah know walk to school every day had to go find their own money had to go yeah do odd cook, jobs cooking dinner that. for themselves they're taking care cooking of siblings themselves. yeah shit like that i had a little bit of that because um my dad he wouldn't come home till like six o'clock at night every night so i would figure out dinner for myself sometimes or i would be home a lot of the time just alone chilling but that was more like 13 through now right so it's it wasn't like anything crazy like i was eight years old cooking hot dogs at home Uh, there was nothing like that Uh, i I would say that was i I was age appropriate to be like okay yeah gonna be like out outside of the house for like extended periods of time yeah no doubt dude yeah you want your kids to start getting some some independence to make those mistakes early on it's almost it i i talk with this about with um man it's funny i i have a it, it sounds so like um I don't know the politically correct way to phrase it. It's not woke. It it. I, got, I guess I got, progressive. No, not even that, dude. It's some bullshit. Like basically, I got I got a couple black dudes that we talked that we just talk about life that I went to high school with that I'm working with now, and they have sons, and like they made mistakes later on in their life when they were like twenty twenty one. Where those choices and mistakes like fuck you up for life. Yeah, have like real world. Where their kids make mistakes and he's like, dude, I just want my boys to make their mistakes when they're fucking 16, 15. And like if shit's serious, it's never as serious as it is when you're 19. Yeah. Like you get caught with bags. You're in the wrong fucking car. Mm -hmm. If you're a 15 year old, you still got a chance. If you're an 18 year old senior, done. And like, so all that to be like, I, I think think there's everybody has that explorative part of their life yeah and you kind of want to provide that for your kids i think earlier on in as safe a way as you can so that when the mistakes are made just like the eight-year-old sniffer versus 12-year-old sniffer i'd rather have you be a 13-year-old fuck up than a 20-year-old fuck up yeah exactly like I'm, i'm afraid for my brother because he not an independent person like he you know can barely like cook for himself he can barely like he doesn't clean up after himself he is getting money from my parents all the time for gas or for uh for food or just forever like he tokens yeah (laughs) just like like here's 20 bucks here's 20 bucks you know fill up your car here's this here's that you know i'm meanwhile i'm paying rent like i'm paying you know 400 20 bucks a month for in rent to live in my own home that I've lived in my whole life. You know, I'm making money. I've been working since I was 15 and a half. You know, first I was a bus boy and I did construction and now I'm working where I'm at right now. Is, you know, a mechanical finisher, but you know, he's, he's worked as a, like a Wendy's drive through person, a lifeguard. And like, I think he works at like a Chinese restaurant now, like a server. but he just he doesn't have any really independence and um i'm not gonna say drive because he does have drive for certain things but 
it's just it's not like like for instance there's there's a, a basketball league here in cincinnati called the smith league that um uh, a guy that i'm gonna say acquaintances with not friends founded and it's like one of the premier leagues like a youth like it's like a uh, i don't want to say youth league but it's like an alternate summer kind of league yeah and um i don't know you can look it up after it's something i think because you said you're a you're a basketball coach i think they're actually going to do a youth league next year or at the end of this year but um it's a paint smith this guy started it and it's like one of like a handful of like organizations and groups that like the nba looks at for potential scouts that's like not a college campus right it's like it's a it's like a high level thing to like be a player in there and be good and you got you have talent looking for you you have college like if you're college age that you have college coaches looking for you and college scouts yeah showcase type stuff yeah yeah and i've been trying to get my brother to come with me to a game to to meet peyton and to to meet with him about potentially having a future in that league because right now my brother's doing a summer league but it's like a small one it's a super like you know just a rec league basically and um so he can make like real money potentially and i'm trying to do that with him but every time i bring it up yeah, he, uh, he just he just is disinterested in it. I, and I told him like today, I'm like, look, I want you to have a weekend open. I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to help your dream happen. You, he wants to be a basketball player in the NBA. He wants to, you know, he, you know, the next, you know, I don't know, uh, Larry Bird. <laughs> he, he just, is he, he six wants, eight <laughs> no he's not he's six six so no shit dude six yeah. six you got size does he have handle yeah yeah he, he's yeah because you he's said been, point forward earlier on yeah he's, he's definitely like an upper layer an upper level basketball player it's just he just doesn't have the drive and the ambition and yeah. i've just i've been trying to like oh my whole family has his coaches i have i've been trying to really drive that in for him and be like you need to have the want the the desire to push yourself to the pinnacle because yeah. if he really really works hard at this he could be in the nba he could be going to a d league uh, you know a d1 school he could be like going to uk if he really 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 put in the effort and really 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 put in the effort both off and on court because that's the other thing he doesn't put the effort in schooling at all that's why I said he barely graduated earlier because he pulled it out of his ass at the very end and took an F and like one class or two classes and brought him up to like a mid D. Yeah. But yeah, it's uh, just seeing that and then seeing how he's applying that to his whole life. The, the, the like the lack of drive and lack of independence is like, I'm just worried for him. And obviously, you know, it's his life. He can live it however he wants to, but just seeing that, I'm just like, I don't want to be a, you know, 25 year old working on a McDonald's drive through making, you know, scraps. Well, all my high school buddies are, have gone to college and are making, you know, in marketing jobs or, in, you know, people who I know went to trade school are making you know, hundreds of dollars in electrical engineering or HVAC. Right. Yeah, man, the got, trade, the trade school shit is insane to me. Even fucking truck drivers making ninety grand a year. Oh yeah, you yeah. Know, it's the money's out there for people who want to work and get it. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard work, and I think that's what people 
are really turned off by is that it's like it's hard it's blue collar it's the bluest of blue collar manual labor you work in a like i work the, the way that i describe it is i work in a concrete oven baking for eight hours a day yeah and you know i'm on my feet all day i'm using my arms i'm lifting stuff you know i'm not the most in shape person uh i, I could lose more than a little <laughs> which I'm, I'm i'm working on that i'm going to the gym i'm, I'm fasting i'm doing all that you know just today i'm i'm the lowest i've weighed in you know two years no shit good for you yeah. man uh and dude that's awesome and it, like to be honest man dude you leave school and you start working it's very easy to come home and do absolutely nothing mm-hmm. Like it really is, man. You fall into that rut early. And I've seen a ton of high school dudes who um, all of a sudden you see them 10, 15, 20 years later and you're like, damn, dude, why? You ballooned, yeah. What happened? Like you just drink that much? You eat that much? Like you're not active at all? The the worst one is you see like a college, like that's what I'm afraid is going to happen to my brother. Like you see like a, a high school athlete. Like especially like high school football players, yeah. like college football. Oh, dude, they burn so many calories you don't even realize because you're just playing all day. You're probably you're play, taking you're twenty thousand steps. Exercising, you're yeah, doing, you're burning you're forty five hundred calories a day, or more. But then you have to have the diet to keep up with that. Yeah. So what guys do after they graduate is they keep on that diet. Yeah. But they don't do any exercise, and then you just grow. Yeah. And you know. For me, I, I just for it was it was school and it was just bad, you know, food management on my part, just like portion sizes and like overeating and just eating when I'm bored was yeah. the problem for me. Um, and uh, dude, that's awesome. Yeah. What made you want to make the change in your life to lose um, a little bit of weight? It's it's always you know I've I've always been a larger person just in general. Like I, I have very broad shoulders. You know, I have very like tree trunk legs. I have giant, I've had size 13 feet since sixth grade. Stop. Seventh grade. Sixth yeah. grade, size 13. Yeah. Sixth or seventh grade. I've had size 13 feet. That's insane. Um, you know, I've always been, I, I had growth spurts early. So like, you know, I'm, I'm six, three right now. I've still got a little bit to go. I think I think my doctor estimated like six four or something like that. So like not by much, but I'm not a sh- you know I'm not like short by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, definitely not. My dad at his highest he was six seven. My brother is estimated to go to six eight. So yeah, we were we're all a family of giants. But um, <laughs> except for my mom, my mom is average average height. So I I get more of you know a little bit more of her. Um than my brother got but uh yeah it's just um i, I wanted to completely different tangent i didn't remember what i was talking you did well no right. you were like talking about the size to put it in perspective but i was curious like yeah. what motivated you to make you take it more seriously your weight it, it's just noticing just uh you know how expensive clothing is not being able to find clothing that one that you look good in when when you're when you're fat i'm just gonna say it you really don't look good in most clothes when you're fat besides like a t-shirt and sweats and then you just look like dumpy everywhere yeah. like oh there's a guy in t-shirt and sweats what? um there are very few you know obviously there are exceptions you can be fashionable and you know be larger but it also it's way harder 
and it's way more niche than, um, you know, like if, for example, my brother can just wear like a, a button down shirt, just like a nice, like Hawaiian button down shirt, like some you'd wear in like a boat. Yeah. And he can just wear that in some white shorts and he's good. And he, he looks good. Like he has a style for it. Or if I look like that, I'd look like, you know, and I was on a boat. I, I'd, I'd look like just some fat, fat dude trying to be, you know, somebody. Looking like he's somebody when he's not. Just a like mafia member? Like you were yeah, the like mafia some... guy that Googled, what do I wear on a boat trip in Cincinnati? Yeah. Not even in Cincinnati. But just <laughs> yeah, like... I was wondering, like, do you guys even have boats in Cincinnati? Is there water There, there are a lot of lakes, surprisingly. There are a lot right? of boat-friendly spots. Um, <laughs> not on the Ohio River so much. Uh, we're afraid it's going to catch fire, but, you know. Um... <laughs> Uh, no, there's a lot of nice boats. My brother, he just, he was in like the U.S. Virgin Islands or something like that recently. So that's why I, yeah, I, I, I thought of the boat thing because, <laughs> um, he was just doing that. And I was like, yeah, you know, when you're kind of that, when you're not, you know, wearing like 2XL, 3XL stuff, it's, yeah, it's a lot easier to look good and to, to have stuff that just fits your body better. Um, yeah, you know, I try to be as fashionable and just as good looking as I can with my size, but it's it's that it's fitting in seats. It's it's the little things you don't realize, like oh, your bed creaking when you move at night. You know, being on roller coasters, not being able to fit. That's a that's always a that was one of the biggest things for me. I'm a I'm a huge, or at least I was. I'm not so much anymore, but I was a big big roller coaster nerd. Like I'd be talking like manufacturers, like specific specs, like how fast, how tall specific types of like you know elements of a roller coaster you know g forces all that crazy stuff um it's once again another engineering thing yeah um but uh you know just not being able to fit on roller coasters when you're when you're that fat it's like you're the guy that like stops everybody from departing because they can't mm. you know staple you down in the seat gotcha uh, you know, and, and just, you know, just a, just a general desirability, I guess is the best way to put it. Like, you know, not saying it's impossible to like find somebody to be with when you're a bigger dude. Cause I found somebody, but that didn't end well. Uh, <laughs> it, it wasn't because of my weight either. It was, just, she was it was cause of your hair. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I yeah, actually have, I have surprisingly good. The best part about me is my hair. <laughs> that's, why, have, that's why I said it. I was like, dude, yeah. the hair is definitely a bonus for yeah, you. Yeah, I, I, I have none of, nobody in my family has gone bald. I got red hair from my mom. I got yeah. blue eyes from my dad. Dude. And I have wavy, thick hair. Yeah, like everybody, no, the hair game every strong. Bar, every barber I've been to. Jealous. Uh, yeah, they're like, how the fuck do you have this? No doubt. They're like, this is like one in a million. Yeah. I'm like, I don't know. Like, I went to a black, like the one and only time I went to a black barber shop. Uh, it was my mom's good friend. Um, Did they try to give you the hairline? Because the one time no. I went there and they gave me the hairline, I, I have a widow's peak, um, which is, uh, yeah, I got the old man yeah. hair with the part. But they tried to fucking line up my widow's yeah. peak. And I'm like, dude, you don't do that to white people, man. It just yeah. looks horrible. There's there's two white people that can rock a fade like that. And <laughs> I'm pretty sure one of them is probably dead. So I don't know. <laughs> so uh, I didn't mean to cut off your black barber experience. No, but that but was mine. And then I was like, yeah, man, I can't, I can't. It's fine. It's fine. It was funny. Um, 
But um, yeah, it's uh, there. The people there were like, "What the fuck? This is like unlike any hair I've seen, from, like a white person or a black person." And I was like, "Okay, this is weird." But yeah, um, dude, no yeah. man, fucking good for you. How um, have you heard of uh David Goggins? I've heard of him. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Do you like read his book or follow him on Instagram or anything like that? I think I follow him on Instagram. If I actually, I'm gonna check. Yeah, because he was, I, I think, over three bills from when I heard him talk. And now he's like ultra runner, trainer, and he's shredded. But his whole thing, man, not not just like, not just the functionality of what you're talking about, but you broached into something that I think is even more important, which is like the mentality yeah, like the mentality you, is so important. Yeah, man. Like you don't want to feel like shit. And the fact that you've yeah. made choices to stop feeling like shit, man, is a huge deal instead of just accepting it and wallowing yeah, in it. That's the problem. Like there was a point in my life where I was at that point. I was like, I'm just going to be just the fat, redheaded, you know, dumpy fuck forever. Yeah. And uh, I'm not going to do anything about it. But then I, was, I just like, I was just like, I'm tired of it. You know, yeah. my, my, my dad, um, my mom had weight issues. My, my, my whole family has, has had weight issues on both sides. Um, well, I imagine and, big uh, people just do. So I'm 5'10". Yeah. I, I mean, I, I think I've put on 5'10 pounds, but I'm 40 and I've just accepted yeah. it as my metabolism is slower and my testosterone yeah. is lowering. Like, I'm like, yeah. fuck it, man. Like, I've, I've earned this point in my life. Yeah, you've earned a little bit of extra. I, I've earned know. my love handles, man. Like, yeah, I'm just exactly. fucking accepting them. It's okay. I've never been shredded. But I've always been pretty fit. and yeah. But I've always been 5'10". And I'm like, I'm pretty active. I don't know what my hunger level would be like if I had almost 5% more height to me. Like if I had another seven inches of height, what more, how much more would I want to eat? How much more energy would I burn as I just move? Yeah, you know what I'm saying? From, yeah. Like it's, it's definitely, that was, that was part of it. Just always being like a larger kid in general. Like right? only, I wouldn't say recently, but I was always the larger of the two siblings for the majority of my life. But as my, as I got less and less physically active, my brother got more and more because he just fell in love with basketball right so that was kind of like his um north star i guess and he just <laughs> when he was younger especially he would be exercising you know every other day he'd be, you know he goes to the gym and stuff like that still but um he also just eats like a dumpster like he'll eat like an entire row of like not a, like his entire package of just like oreos yeah. Or like he'll he'll drink an entire like twelve pack of sodas in like two days. Yeah. And it's just it's stuff like that. Like I, I just I couldn't afford to do that. Like I I, I just I, I thought I could. No, not if you're being not if you're not burning fucking yeah, two thousand yeah, calories. I, yeah, I would be overeating, I'd be eating when I'm bored, I'd be eating the wrong kind of things, I'd be eating way too much of the wrong things. And I was just like it was rough. And then you know, I've always, I, I've been kind of on this weight loss kick for, you know, since August of, of last year. And uh, I made a really big progress with it. Um, I, I, I was on and off of the, of the weight loss thing before the pandemic. I was definitely hard on it. And then the pen, 
that didn't care for me. It just hit me like a brick wall. It, it, it threw me out of my rhythm completely. And I got back into it near the end of the pandemic. And What threw you off your rhythm? Was it going to the gym or like going to the grocery store? We, uh, well, we have kind of like a home cardio setup and like weights at home, which was a benefit. So like, I have like a treadmill and like a, a stair, not a stair climber, but like, um, the Ellipti treadmill one has two individual. Yeah. The elliptical. Well, it's not, is it, I think so. It might Does it be. have handles that you hold as you go? No, with the it's, two steps? it has two individual belts and it has like, they're each individually actuated. I have no idea what it's called and I oh. haven't seen another one. But we had that, and then we had like a regular treadmill, and then we had weights, and we live in a very hilly area, so just walking the dogs, yeah. even, would get you exercise. And so I'd be doing that, but just the pandemic and not being able to go outside and having to order all your food and having to, you know, go out and groceries and everything that was in stock was the cheapest available thing, and... Uh... You know, the, the junk food was kind of just ran rampant because you'd just be at home. Yeah. You wouldn't be going out anywhere. You'd be bored. I was bored in my mind. Um, gotcha. So I just overate. I overate and I didn't do anything. And it just, I ballooned. That makes sense. Yeah, see, for me, I started cooking. I guess I was fortunate enough, and that's something you don't realize, like, regionally. Our, our shelves were a little sparse here and there, but I could still get fresh meat, fresh veggies, mm -hmm. and I'm still cooking basically all my meals without any processed anything. Yeah. You know, that, I mean, that I, I ate really, really well. And I was able to like go for long. I ran a fucking marathon just because I got bored towards the end of the pandemic. I was yeah. like, fuck it, man. Let me start training for one because... I'm out in the country and what else am I going to do? Yeah. That makes sense, yeah. <laughs> it makes sense. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, if you're born in the country, like, you gotta, you know, you're, you got like two activities. You got like four wheeling and like going off roading and stuff like that and yeah. like running. Yeah. I, or shoot and shooting and shooting too. Thing. Yeah. I'm not that, Hunting. like, I'm not that. Yeah. I wasn't, I don't have the four wheeler. I don't even have the shotgun. So I was yeah. basically left with a bunch of push ups, um, NBA 2K20 because I never upgraded for my PlayStation 4 and going for long ass jogs, listening to podcasts. That was, uh, that was how I made it through. Yeah. I, I was in school during that time and that was wild. It's, uh, it was very difficult for me um, going from in person to online. Uh, it, it it was the only F I ever had in schools during COVID because <laughs> of my online stuff. And even then, I got all the way back up to, in part because I was like one of the only students that just showed up on time and turned in work. <laughs> I got I got like A's and B's in all my classes right. because of that. And I had, I had the fortune because I had, I had done so much stuff in my other high school beforehand. I had so many credits from that that carried over. I really only, like, senior year had to take two classes. I took three, but I could have only taken just math and English. But I took you only took two, two classes during COVID? I took three. I could have no, taken only two. I'm sorry. Yeah, three. Yeah, Your senior I year. I could have taken two. Wow. Yeah. And were you and, virtual the whole senior year or did you get to go in person at all? Um, the, the, the system we had laid out was, I think it was two times a week. We would go into the building 
into our lab only. So like that's like for me it was my CNC machining class. I'd be in there for the whole school day, the whole six and a half, seven hours. Right. Uh, and we would stay in that lab. We wouldn't go anywhere. We'd have our lunch delivered to us from you know a lunch cart. Yeah. And we would work on all of our classes in there, and then we would also work on lab stuff. But uh, our class shrank significantly throughout senior year. Uh, it started off with two of our classmates got arrested for murder. No shit. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> you were talking about failures in life uh, as an age and um i'm not gonna name names i'm not gonna say anybody but one of the students um was the getaway driver uh, unknowingly for a uh i think a, a drive-by and Damn. he got locked up with those kind of people what how how can you be an unknowing getaway driver for a drive like didn't know as you were driving by somebody's house your other person was gonna shoot it up yeah i think okay. that's i think that was a situation Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, and then another one actually, like, took part in uh, an assault that turned into a, a murder because the guy had died. Wait, dude, the two people weren't involved in the same crime? It was two separate murders? Two separate. Two separate. Holy shit. And it's devastating because the, the one guy was super, super nice, super, super, he was a good kid. Um, it's a great guy, was actually interested in class, interested in trying to know better his life but it just he got roped up in the wrong group of people and that um it, it destroyed him because you know our class is already 11 students so we were down to nine and then uh it just kept going down from there people would they wouldn't leave they would just go in co-op so they wouldn't show up to the, the two days we were in school they'd be working so Eventually, he's got to me and like two other guys, and we just kind of, we just kind of hung out. It was me, two other guys, and the teacher, and so we would just kind of hang out. Like I, I was, yeah, always caught up. I was, I was the one who was always caught up on my stuff. So I would just kind of spend those days, just chilling. Like I do, well, I'd edit some stuff, I'd work on a little bit of work, and I just hang out. Dude, I'm just wondering, hearing and knowing a little bit about you that I do, like, did that. Was that the spark of this social desire? Because you were in that small group, you were kind of not locked up together, but locked up together. You were able to like form these yeah. relationships through this intense shared experience. And yeah. now it's like, dude, it's fucking like, it's that, that's what I want to do. I want to be around people and have these relationships. Yeah, I, I was, for most of my life, I was, it was very, I was in my shell. I was not a, I was a wallflower, you know, I didn't go to many dances. I, I didn't go to any school dances. I didn't really go to many school events. I wasn't, you know, the most sociable kid at a, at a party or at a group or even in class. But, um, during this whole pandemic, I just really was like, I realized like how much I, you know, I, obviously I have a limit. I have like a social battery, I guess is the best way to put it. <laughs> how much energy I can expend socially. But, um, I just, uh, you know, I, I, I reached a point where I was like, I, I, I don't really want to spend all my time not doing anything, just being at home, you know, twiddling my thumbs, you know, doing nothing. Yeah. Besides school and besides 
you know, going to work for five hours a day. Right. Every three days or something like that. Because my club schedule was like one to five or one to six. And it was three days a week. So, Dude, that's awesome. Like, it's, yeah. it, it's awesome that something as terrible as the pandemic can give you a little bit of enlightenment into things you value allowed you to discover and allowed you to opportunity to change because that would be very hard to have that kind of change in experience. I would imagine if it were all 12 people there or even in a class of 25, probably like not taking that risk. Yeah. It, it, it really put in perspective, like what I really want my life to turn out to be. Um, and the, the, not goals, but just the ideals of people, the people I want to meet, the people I want to interact with. Yeah. Which that loops all the way back around to sneakers because <laughs> I had, I had, like I said earlier, had the money. And so I got way more into sneakers in the pandemic. And through sneakers, I met some of the coolest people and have made some of the coolest connections. Really, a guy at 19 can make. Yeah. I, not, not like, not like a, a guy at, well, not the most cool. Obviously, you know, you could be like, oh, my uncle's Ben Affleck or something like that. <laughs> um, but uh, for just some random kid in Ohio, just like meeting with guys who are like executives at Nike or talking to like former high-level Nike designers and like the guy who works with Kanye to design Yeezys and talking to him. And Yeah, how does that um, happen? Are these chat rooms or these sneaker showcases? I don't even know what the sneaker world is like in that way. Um, so primarily for me, it's it's through uh, a shop called Corporate uh, here in Cincinnati and in Indianapolis, and um, they uh, they have been them and the owner Matt um, Matt. He's really like a, a mentor. He's he's really been a really positive figure in my life. Um, and I consider him a very a very good friend of mine. And um, he's just been like a, a friend and a mentor and just been such a positive influence mentally and uh, socially and kind of pulling me out and making me do stuff a little bit outside my comfort zone. Like, you know, there was a, an event in March where they, they released a pair of shoes and they were uh, competing with Unknown, which is LeBron James's like sneaker store that he runs, or like it has some connection to. There's a there was Union in Los Angeles. There was Undefeated. There was a few other retailers, uh, and there was Corporate in Cincinnati. And um, he told me he had outsold, outperformed every metric. You know, the the sale, the marketing, the rollout, and the, the general. I guess, hype of the shoes compared to every other store. And we're talking like big name people here. Like these are like high level shoe stores. Like these are the places in LA and New York, like the, the it places for shoes. And he, uh, he told me during this event that he blown all them out of the water and had Nike kind of being like, Oh, these guys here in Cincinnati, they're really bringing the heat. And uh, there was a, a big, or rollout event where they released the shoe and they had uh, uh, one of his one of Matt's good buddies uh, 
works at Jordan Brand and uh, is a, uh, an executive there. I forget exactly what position, but, you know, he came to the event and I got to meet and talk to him. And then another friend of his works as a, uh, a colorway designer and a footwear designer for Jordan Brand. So I got to meet him and talk design and stuff about him and just gush about shoes, basically. <laughs> I love it. Uh, gush about just, shoes. Just a shared interest and meeting people like, you know, or like sneaker historians like Sneaker Dave. He's um is a really well-respected member of the uh, sneaker community. And he's like a historian. He has a bunch of old rare models of shoes. And he... Uh, he's just talking to him about just the, histor- the design and history of the shoes. You know, Matt being the owner, uh, Matt Tom and Michael, he owns corporate. Uh, him being, you know, like the sneaker figurehead of Cincinnati, essentially, and like bringing that culture throughout the whole city. Uh, having him as a friend, just meeting people through him, you know, even just not related to sneakers, like owners of like the best pizza place in Cincinnati, like meeting him through him or meeting Peyton who runs the Smith league through Matt. Um, Is it just like hanging out at events or they they have events, but also just in the shop in general. Like I, I was not, you know, some, you know, guy trying to get a job or some like, you know, guy trying like looking for friends. Like I just, I was a customer at corporate. I just shopped there a few times and eventually Matt and I just started talking and we were just like, we clicked and it was just like, oh, you know, he's, uh, he he looks out for the community and just is a a figurehead and one of the nicest people you could really meet in, in shoes and just one of the nicest people you meet in general. Gotcha. Yeah. And having him. Uh, I just show me a, a world that I was completely unfamiliar with filled with people who have a huge shared interest with me who just are cool people and understanding them and getting to know them and connecting with them. Uh, it's, it's just, it's helped me a lot. It's a, it sounds like you found um, <clears throat> a little bit of a tribe. Yeah, yourself, a little bit. Man. And I haven't really had a tribe my whole life. Right. Which is, you know, most people never find their tribe. And, uh, you know, it's obviously this is not, you know, exclusively my, my tribe. There are, there are people, <laughs> you know, who are outside of shoes that I really like. And there are people who are. Obviously, a lot of my friends are—they're technically—they're my tribe, but they are in so they're interested in so many different things besides me. That it's like just to see that from the outside, it's cool. And then to see have them see my interest from the outside is is, is cool too. It's just kind of the mutual appreciation of it, you know. Yeah, well, it, I don't know, man. It just whatever human nature needs with other people of shared interests, like it makes yeah. you. It gives you confidence, man. And it seems yeah. like you're in a awesome place at the yeah. moment, man, which is exciting. It's exciting when you're youthful yeah. and you have a future ahead of you. That's yeah, which, something you shouldn't take for granted. I hear somebody say I'm in an awesome place. It's really nice because 
not even, I want to say not even five months ago, I was probably in like the worst shape of my life. Like fit, like physically and mentally and emotionally. It was just, it was rough. And, um, just, to, just to hear from somebody that it just, it's turned around somebody who I don't even know you. Yeah. <laughs> and to hear like from the short conversation we've had, well, short, it's two hours or so. Yeah. We're almost at three, to be honest with you. Yeah, I'm. Yeah. Whenever you want to wrap this up, I'm fine, honestly. No, dude, it's uh, yeah. Well, we can wrap it up with just some more positive affirmations, man. So again, yeah. me as a 40 year old, I've got almost 17 years of teaching experience. Like I've seen kids cycle back at this point. So I've taught kids who are 12, 13, and now they're grown men that I can run to at a bar. You know, and yeah, just exactly. life experiences, man. The way you, the way you're able to conversate with a complete stranger the way you are prepared the knowledge you have over multiple topics the depth of it like that's high intellect man that adhd shit is like working in your favor because you fucking hold on to things and yeah. the fact that now you're incorporating six three with a great head of hair and you're gonna fucking get in shape like, dude, it's going to be yours, right? Like, whether yeah. you go to college, whether you go trade, whether you hang out in Cincinnati and you never and go to college. I'm going to be making 20 bucks an hour, like, out yeah. of a, a year and a half out of high school, which is, yeah. for today is just insane. Yeah. It's just, dude, it's, it's stay, insane. The biggest thing that I see fuck people up is when they try to live outside of their means. Yeah. And the fact that you already think like that means you're probably going to stay within your means. Like you're a hustler and you're an yeah. intellectual hustler, which is the best kind of hustler to be. And you're a kind person and you're nice and you're respectful. Like, thank you. Yeah, dude. It's, thank you. Yeah, man, you should, um, you should be very excited about the opportunities that will come from, for you in life, because there's not a ton of people that are going to be intelligent, reliable and nice. Like who the fuck's not going to want to hire you and work with you. And then, how come you're not going to be smart enough to have your own thing in so yeah, many exactly. years with all the experience you're starting to get from all these different places, man? That's like the, that's like the penultimate goal is to have my own undeniable thing that is so undeniably me and so and so peak level of myself that it, it's successful just because it's so me. Yeah, and, and you enjoy that it. The, that sounds so narcissistic to say that, but just like the way that... I've been operating my whole life. I think it's it's kind of. See, I don't it, see it as narcissistic, man. I see it way more as like fulfilling. Yeah, I guess the, that's the best way to put it is. Because I think it's narcissistic. And the fact that you're pointing out these positives about corporate shoe owner, Matt, and you're like, he's about the community. Like yeah. you seem to, that seems to matter to you. So when you say yeah. it's going to be something that's successful and it's my thing, I could see you yeah. using that as a benefit to others and trying to give others yeah. opportunity. You're not going to be a fucking like Scarface all about me yeah. and like I, I egocentric. I don't want to be like that at all. I don't <laughs> want to be like that. That's the exact opposite I want to be. I, I, you know, Matt is a mentor in that way where it's like, I see he has built up this thing that is so him and it's so yeah. undeniably him and it's taking all of his interests, all of his, you know, I wouldn't say all of his hobbies. Um, I, you know, I, he's a good friend, but honestly, you know, there's, he's, I think he's around your age. So there's, there's obviously a, a difference there. And like, 
yeah, our interests, priorities, our, our level and priorities, goals, and all that shit. He's got to get a wife. He's got kids. You know, he's his whole life is so much different than mine. But the things that we connect on, the things that we really understand, are just community, friendship, and trying to make everybody around them, you know, as successful as they can be, and trying to lift up everybody around them to a level above what even you were. Yeah, you know. Dude, absolutely nothing wrong with that. That's a great goal. Don't don't yeah. feel I, I wouldn't I, I don't think you should feel that's egocentric at all when you say undeniably me. I know just because it has the word me in it, it almost yeah. like implies that. But the connotation behind it is nothing like egocentric. Yeah. Dude, and I'm excited for you, man. I, I'm I'm excited for the future too. Obviously, you know, I'm scared. You know, there's obviously a fear yeah. of the future just innately because you're like anything could happen. Hundred percent. But to just to look like to see my peers and to see where they're at in life and to see me and to to see, you know, the all my supporters and even a lot of my haters because I I run really I run really well on support like I have a great support network but honestly it's it's the spite that drives me I think a little harder than the support. Like to just to prove to people, I can be like, yeah, you know what, I did this. Yeah. So like, yeah, that's a, I call that's it the little, fuck you. Like I, yeah. I, I'm big on that. I'm big on. You I got a lot a of fuck you. Level in of me. That, though. <clears throat> if you have too much of that, then you're just an asshole. You then you're have the a, asshole. You have to have yeah. a right amount of where you're like, yeah, you you told me I wasn't, you know, I wasn't good enough, or I, I wasn't gonna turn out to be nothing. Like uh, my um my middle school music teacher. <laughs> didn't think I had a good singing voice and I went to vocal vocal school basically for seven years and I was leads in plays and I was singing the whole time I was in high school and my teacher was like holy shit you have like you know great singing skills for somebody your age and she's not saying that you know talking out of her ass she's like as a professional like teacher yeah. she was like this is something this is a skill that you have yeah, man. Dude, I am um, honestly not to get to like a negative place while, when we're ending, but like yeah. the fact that you were talking about going to that mental place at 15 and um, where you are now, man, it's um, you should feel really good about yourself just as me as yeah. a Delawarean stranger. I'm excited to be able to follow you and just whatever cyber stalk, keep in touch and like yeah. see as yeah. you progress, dude, because it's I don't know. It's just it's fucking neat. It's neat. It'll be neat for me to look at, look back at this conversation in a couple years. If like you're still on social, if you don't get banned from Instagram, and like, I don't want to see, be banned on Instagram. <laughs> I have two. I have one. I have too too much stake in Instagram. I have too many good photos and too many good people that, you know, yeah, who yeah. are a part of it. But yeah. it'll be neat to look back. I've gotten to the point with the podcast where I've had some people on, and then like a couple years later you're still talking with them and seeing about how their life goals changed. And it's just fucking neat, man. It, it really yeah. is neat. Um, so Aiden, and thank I'm excited you. to see the future of this podcast. It's, you know, what are you uh, like two fifty? No, dude, I wish you are going to be, um, you're going to be guest one fifty eight. Um, right. but I think I, I have over 200 episodes. I was editing when I had more time during COVID like what I would do is I would call it a short story. So I would take a 15, 20 minute clip of the pod that we did and like put it out the day before the full pod was released. 
Kind of like a teaser almost. Exactly. Um, but it was so much editing, man, um, that with just life now, I, uh, I just post them as is. And what motivated it, fun fact, you know, um, I interviewed or I had on the guy that inspired Scarface. All right. And I fucking talked to him for four hours and he was like, you know, you really should clip up all these stories. Like he was like, he was in a plane that crashed and Nor he was fucking tortured by Noriega. <laughs> and wow. like, he was telling those stories and I'm like, I, I don't even know what the fuck. Like, I got some I, big shoes to fill and I haven't been tortured by Noriega. Dude, but, uh, he was, yeah. the way he was talking about what a fucking, what dudes did to, with broomsticks to, um, gentlemen that were on the plane, the, the, the pilots, I was like, I don't know how to like, I don't even know what questions to ask. Um, yeah, that's, but so yeah, talking with him, he was like, you know, you should put these in clips and like tease it out, see if it helps. And, um, so then I started doing that with people, but then when like work came back, I wasn't able to keep up editing fucking sucks, man, to be honest with you. I, I just, yeah, I, I have a buddy who, who wants to, or actually he was, a, he was the friend that left me during the pandemic. He wanted to be a film editor because his uncle was one. I don't know what he's doing now, but, um, it's tedious. Yeah, it can be from what I've seen and what I've heard. Yeah, film would be even more than audio. Like that's why I yeah. keep it straight audio because it's it helps people to come on and not like feel they got to present themselves a certain way, but it also makes it easier for yeah. the editing. Yeah, I certain podcasts that's like audio visual. I feel like it's there's a that's like a, another level of podcasting. Like, Rogan. Not like in a, yeah, Rogan and... Um, Dude, Rogan was so fucking smart. I didn't realize he was recording shit from episode one. Like, if you go on Spotify yeah. and look at his original episodes... They're all recorded. Yeah. Well, actually, yeah. I think there are a few that are missing, but... Here or there. Yeah, dude, he's fucking on a webcam screenshotting him and his boy, and it's like yeah. literally just them figuring shit out, and he, he had the foresight to know content's content, which yeah. is which was really smart. Yeah, um, and and to have that sync up too, because there are people like you know, um, I'm at the I'm at a desk right now, and I have I have a monitor right in front of me, and I have a monitor over here. So sometimes I'll just be playing a game, or I'll be doing something, or like during the pandemic, I'd be like working on work, and I have a podcast, but I'd have the video podcast too, because just the audio, it's you get a certain level. Obviously, that's an audio medium, but have the video there too it kind of adds a whole level of engagement yeah no it definitely does and it makes it more memorable yeah because you know, it's you another sense somebody's, yeah you can see somebody's face you can see how they react to something you see how they say something exactly yeah. exactly yeah um i don't know if i'll ever want to do that who knows what the fuck this will be yeah. um but what I mean, it was was yeah. really neat meeting somebody from cincinnati who's a sneakerhead yeah <laughs> i'm excited and i gotta say man. about the clip stuff maybe instead of doing like 15, 20 minutes, try doing like two or three minutes, just stuff that you can fit like a little Instagram bite. I guess the best so, way to put it. Yeah. I do that with headliner. Um, I try to keep them under a minute. So when like I'll post, I'll, I'll email you, um, asking you for the photo you want with the, um, episode. Right. And then what I'll do is I'll pick something between like 30 to a minute 15, um, to post as a clip from the pod. But right. that's about um, that's about it. But that doesn't get you any cred with uh, downloads. Yeah. Yeah. So for me, if I'm looking for advertisers, it's all about what's your region, what's your download, and yeah. uh, you wanted people downloading, which was the point of uh, those short stories. Yeah. 
All right, man. Dude, we've said right, goodbye about three or four yeah. times. It's, it's, I appreciate hey, it. goodbyes are always the best. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. I'm going to keep that shit in just because of that. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks to Andre Psyche for supporting the Getting to Know You pod. Search up Andre Psyche on social media. Give him a follow just for the fuck of it. Dear listeners, if you've enjoyed getting to know today's guest or just want to support this upstart podcast, go to our Patreon. For as little as $2 a month, your donation will help with all the costs associated with producing the Getting to Know You pod. Don't forget the three free ways to support the pod. One, subscribe to the Getting to Know You pod. Two, friend and follow the Getting to Know You pod on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Three, go to Apple, write a review. And finally, if you or someone you know would like to become a sponsor of or advertise on the Getting to Know You pod, we would love to partner with you. We have a wide-ranging global audience that would like to get to know more about your brand or business. If you're interested, just message us. See you.